This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Jetson's there, Billy Dead. The goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Rupi and Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson. Clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Christopher Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance preview show part two. Following on from our main podcast, we've got a few added extras in this episode from the media world and in amongst a few announcements for next season. With me, Matt Shaw is a man who's looking to remain sane and clothed this coming season. It's Brady Frost. Are you okay, mate? Uh, yeah, whether I will be sane and clothed by the end of the season, we'll have to wait and see, but that's the fun of it, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, and a man who will probably get naked because he's here to make a, a new brand impression. It's uh, Josh Phillips. <laughs> you all right there, Josh? I'm not promising anything, but yeah, I'm all right, you. Not bad. You know, we, we do some wacky and zany things throughout the season, but we usually leave it to Cozzy, so I'm pretty sure you'll be okay. So uh, not nothing to worry about here. But nice to see you. We, uh, for people that don't quite recognise you from this, you do the Talking With Giants, uh, Huddersfield Giants podcast with me as well. You're my uh, my co-host, if you like, on there, aren't you? So uh, happy yeah, to make oh. the transition across to football. Probably don't know me from that either, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, happy, happy to be here. Happy to talk about town and... All that stuff. So, yep. Right. So, uh, I did mention that we'll be making some announcements here. So, the first announcement that I have is that I will be stepping down from hosting the preview show. As much fun as it is to do, uh, time isn't always my best friend these days. So, going forward, Brady, you will be hosting the show. And Josh, you will be the co-anchor. In practice, something completely different, didn't it? Uh, I'll still be jumping in from time to time as as a... a third wheel, uh, but the preview show will be back this coming season, ready to drop around Wednesday, Thursday, Brady. Uh, and you've got a couple of new bits and bats ready to ready to rock and roll, haven't you? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, let's be honest, Matt, you dropped out halfway through anyway, so uh, I, we did a lot of hosting. Um, but no, um, we'll stick you on the good stuff on the main one. Uh, yeah, so it'll be me and me and Josh. No, you didn't laugh there, so <laughs> I was saying that in jokey. Well, wasn't funny, to be worry. honest, but yeah. Well, you know, the truth hurts. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I, I, can't yeah Josh... you, uh, I can't believe you let the hashtag show out brigade win. Exactly, yeah. I know. Short uh, hashtag sure as a fraud, but um, yeah, no, the <laughs> the warm up's gonna be a bit stupid like me talking right now, so it's gonna be me and Josh. Um, obviously, we'll be previewing the games for, for the season, um, but we're gonna introduce a few new kind of quizzes and you know bits for it just to make it a bit more fun. Because, um, let's be honest, watching Huddersfield hasn't been fun, so if we can make people when they're watching town or listening about town, it make it a bit more bearable. Uh, that's mm. kind of the, plan. the idea is to make it more of a magazine show rather than a live um, immersive experience, shall we say? <laughs> so, yeah, so it'll be very, very fun. And uh, we'll be obviously looking forward to the games and, and where possible, you'll also have guests from other clubs as well uh, to offer their side of uh, their side of uh, their opinion as well. So it's going to be fun. So looking forward to, to listening and tuning in guys. And obviously I won't be too far away um, from that. Okay, so uh, I did mention at the start that we do have uh, a number of uh, media, I can say media personalities, and that's probably the right thing to say. Uh, and the first thing that we've got is uh, BBC West Yorkshire Sport head honcho Jonathan Buchan. So I chatted to Johnny about his thoughts on Huddersfield Town for the coming season, and here's what he had to say. Uh, what did you make of Huddersfield Town last season? I think last season, it's fair to say that Town had a bit of a season of two halves, didn't they? Um, you know, they had that really good run before Christmas. Everyone got quite excited. They got points on the board. And ultimately, those points on the board at that stage of the season is what saved them because the second half of the season was pretty dire, wasn't it, from, from top to bottom? Um, inconsistent, but you can kind of understand that. They were playing in a new way under a new coach, all those kinds of things. They did lose some, some key players to injuries as well. Um, but I think overall, many people felt that the performances should have been better. Um, and did the side really get what was asked of them by Carlos Corbran? That's the question. And I think... They had a shorter pre-season last season. This season, they've had a much better pre-season. You know, they've had friendly games taking place. They've had time to work together. Um, they had players in early or as early as they could do with them all being free transfers at the start of July. So I think that will stand them in good stead. But last season, certainly inconsistent um, and certainly quite worrying at times. A couple of big defeats as well, which are never nice to see. So I think that there will be still a few concerns heading into this new season. And what have you made of those summer transfers? So Huddersfield obviously acted early. They're plugging the gaps mostly defensively initially. Uh, what have you made of the, the players that have come in? I think they did well by trying to get players done as soon as they could. So they obviously got three signings in, which meant that they could join at the start of July, which means they've had a full preseason under Carlos Corbrand. So I think they were clearly well-structured and organised on that front of things. Um Budget is probably how you could describe uh, some of the signings, you know, with them being free transfers. You're okay, they're probably having to pay out some fees in terms of to the players and representatives and all those kinds of things. And then the wages as well. Um, but I don't think anybody's looked at the signings and been wowed by them. Um, Jordan Rhodes is an interesting one, isn't it? You know, eight goals, I think it is in the last two seasons that he's scored. He's not the Jordan Rhodes of old. 
um, that town fans will remember from those ridiculous scoring seasons that he had. Um, I think that that is a bit of a gamble, particularly the length of contract he's been given as well. Um, you know, I know Sheffield Wednesday fans weren't necessarily disappointed to see him leave. Um, I think they've gone and got a couple of younger players in and they've, they've got a player I quite like in Matty Pearson. I saw him quite a bit in, in one of my previous roles. Quite like him. He'll put his head in where you probably shouldn't put your head, um, which is a good thing. I think they need that in this Huddersfield Town side. They need players in this side who, if things aren't going well, can really dig in. They need the hoggies, don't they? You know, if it's not going well, they can dig in and they can certainly, you know, at least show some character. Um, so I think they've done okay on that front of things. I would now be sat asking, well, who else is going to come this summer because they need some signings. And the other big question is who's going to be leaving this summer? You know, there's still some players in this side who you might think will be moving on, particularly Bakuna, wouldn't you as well? And Benza as well. But is anyone going to pay the money that the club wants for them? I think unlikely. So it might be that they end up being at the club for another year which is another annoyance to many supporters. And then I think that there might be other players that between now and the end of the transfer window, some people come sniffing for. You look at Toffolo, you know, they brought in Ruffles. Could you say they brought in Ruffles to try and cover the fact that Toffolo might leave this window? O'Brien as well. You look at it and say, could he be someone who moves on this window? I wouldn't be surprised if either of them did move on this window, to be honest with you, but that has to happen in some ways sooner rather than later. They either need to know they're definitely staying or they need to move them on sooner rather than later so they can reinvest that money. The last thing you want is another window where it's coming down to the final few days and town don't get signings over the line once again. That can't happen again. Okay, Johnny, let's get the the crystal ball out and give it a good scrub. (laughs) Um, Mystic Buchan. (laughs) <laughs> How do you see the season playing out for Huddersfield Town? Um, I think it's hard to tell at the minute um, because of the factors that we've mentioned about who might still sign. You know, they do want a couple more players. And we did hear that that what was said to us by Phil Hodgkinson at Radio Leeds, they want a couple of bums off seat players, don't they, to come in. If they get those players, then great. Don't know who those players might be at the minute. Um, I think it's going to be hard to know whether the season will play out well until we see some more movement in the window. Otherwise, you look at the squad they've got, okay, if you can keep Josh Caroma fit, um, then you've probably got a few more goals in that side. If you've got more goals in it with Rhodes and Campbell and Ward up there, I'm not too sure, to be honest with you, if you've got enough goals to be in a higher position, don't know. I think that will come down to Caroma again, anybody else who might sign. I think it could be another season in that bottom echelon unfortunately um that doesn't mean that you'll be in a relegation battle at the very end of the season but i think it could certainly be a bottom half season for Huddersfield town bottom quarter possibly um but i think the next month will probably have a big impact on that okay so we'll have a look at the little stare into that crystal ball once again and we'll we'll look more broadly across the championship as well so we're looking towards the top 6 for the championship who are your pick for the top two and then maybe oh. pick a four for the playoffs and a winner. I'm not letting you get off easily. Wow. I hate this uh, sort of thing because I hate right, having predict, to try and one, put my name to it. Predict one, one to 24. One to 24. One to 24. Okay. So we'll start with 24. Uh, <laughs> so I think when you look at the table this year, I think it's actually quite a strong championship this year. Um, I think that those coming down will be straight back in the mix. I think Sheffield United will be in, in the mix this year in the top six. Um, you know, they had an awful time last season, didn't they? But they've still got some very good players, um, very good players for this level in particular as well. So I think Sheffield United will be up there. Uh, I think we'll also see Bournemouth up there this year. I think you'll see Fulham in the mix once again, even though they're having a, a change of head coach, of course. 
I don't think Barnsley will be in the mix again. I think they'll probably lose some key players over this over this window, and they've certainly lost the manager, haven't they? So I think we'll see a bit of a difference in that one. West Brom will be in the mix up there. So that's four of them that I think will be up there. Who else might be? Middlesbrough might be in there, um, you know, doing a little bit of business in Middlesbrough. Um, the wily old fox with his pre-signed, um, pre-signed pictures in his bum bag of Neil Warnock. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. So that's five. Who else do I think might be up there this season? Um, let me have a think. I think you might have to, for a sixth team, go for someone like a Swansea City. Again, I've had changes, haven't they? But I think they might be up there in that mix. So there's six for you. What order those six are in? I have no idea, Matt. No idea. I love Neil Warnock. So <laughs> Who doesn't? If you, if you had to pick a dark horse, somebody, you know, so maybe a Huddersfield Town 2017 or a Barnsley mm. last year, uh, who would be the ones that maybe you would see coming up on the rails that no one expects? I wonder whether whole city might do okay next year. You know, coming up, getting promoted, good form. Um, you know, they've got Grant McCann in charge. They seem to have a real unity there as well. Some good individuals in that team. I wonder whether they might bounce and, and be able to do okay um, next season. I don't know whether they'd be able to push top end, but I wonder whether they'll be able to do okay in the championship next season. You never want, you never know whether Preston might be able to get themselves going as well. And one of the teams that, you know, were at one stage notorious at that top end, weren't they? Year after year after year after year, and then seemingly have, have fallen away somewhat. So you wonder whether they might be able to get their acts together as well. Um, it, it's difficult to say. Do I think it'll be a Huddersfield Town? I don't think it'll be a Huddersfield Town. David Wagner situation, I don't think we'll have that, uh, unfortunately, next season. Um, but I think there's a couple there who, who could do all right if they can string everything together. And it's the, uh, the darker side to the predictions. It's the bottom three. So who, who do you think is in for a tough time this year? I think this year Blackpool will be in for a tough time. Um, I think they'll certainly struggle this year. And I know you're going to record all these and throw them back at us. So I'm delighted Always. looking forward to that at the end of at the end of the season. Uh, I think Blackpool will struggle, yeah. Um, I also think Coventry City might struggle. Uh, and I think that Luton Town actually might struggle um, and not be as necessarily resilient as they were at times last season. Derby County, obviously, um, will have major problems. And I don't think many people will be too sad to see that either, will they? Um, so I think Derby County will probably be down that bottom end. You know, they could be the ones this year that that take a big hit, I think, in the same way we saw Sheffield Wednesday go down to League One last season, one of the so-called bigger clubs. I think we could see Derby County in, in trouble this year with all the problems that they have going on. And we'll, we'll move back to town momentarily as well. Uh, who do you think set for a good season this year? So who would you predict maybe a, a player of the year for us and also a breakout player? So somebody who is on the periphery, if you like, who's maybe ready to uh, jump out and take the bull by the horns. Well, I've already said I like Matty Pearson. So I think Matty Pearson will do quite well in this Huddersfield Town side. Um, and then I think there's a couple of others. It depends who you, when you, you look at the keepers as well, who's going to start in goal? Are you going to have Nichols? Are you going to have Schofield? You know, if Schofield starts again, I like Ryan Schofield. I think he's actually a decent goalkeeper. So I think he could have a good season if he's got a decent backline in front of him, if indeed he's given uh, the nod. Um we're all looking at Josh Caroma and wondering whether he can find that form that he found before he picked up the injury. And if he can, he could certainly have a fantastic season. Um, so I think he's someone that we're all kind of hoping to see do well, hoping to see fire the goals this season, 15, 20 goals this season that could see Huddersfield Town finish higher up the table than where they were uh, last time around. So I think he's somebody, Josh Caroma, who we should certainly be taking a look at for, for being player of the season nomination already before a ball's even been kicked. Um, in terms of breakthrough, I think Scott High 
He's somebody who, again, we've been quite excited by, haven't we, when we've seen him. Sorba Thomas has looked quite lively, hasn't he, when he's been in this side? And, and I think he could be sort of that sort of player to learn from some of those other players around him, even learning from someone young like Josh Karoma. You know, he could be an exciting player. He could be a bums off seat player, as, as Phil Hodgkinson said in the past. Um, but he's got to be given more game time. And again, there's still a window to go. You know, could we have a key player be someone who hasn't yet joined the football club? I think that's a possibility. And that's it, Johnny. So next season, you'll be, we'll be able to find Radio Leeds, Freeview Channel 719. Huddersfield will be bouncing back to FM as well when uh, Leeds United are uh, at a different time. So uh, DAB channels as well. So uh, we're well covered next year, aren't we? You are, yeah. Many options. Um, digital radio, every single Huddersfield town game, but we know there are certain areas of Huddersfield that don't get a very good digital radio signal. If you're in that area, if you're in one of the little troughs or one of the little valleys, Freeview Channel 719. If you're a Huddersfield Town fan, you will always get your games on Freeview Channel 719. And whenever you're not playing at the same time as Leeds United, you'll be on 92.4 FM across the entirety of West Yorkshire. So all three frequencies. And I can tell you as well, with the way that Leeds United's games get moved, a lot of your games will be on 92.4 FM this season. So yeah, we'd love to hear from you throughout the season. You can text 81333, you can tweet us at BBC WYS as well, um, or give us a call 0800 389 We really want to speak to you. If you're a town fan, we really, really do value your opinions. So get in touch with us ahead of the games and after the games as well, and give me a load of stick when all my predictions are wrong. Cheers, Johnny. Thank you. Okay, thanks to Johnny as always for doing that. And remember, uh, Huddersfield Town will be on BBC FM when Leeds are not playing at the same time this year. So that's good news for town fans who get a bit of a ropey DAB signal over in, in the Huddersfield area. Uh, live where we do, Brady. You can get all of them quite quite easily, can't you? But we won't brag. Uh, right. So uh, quite interesting what Johnny had to say there, Josh. Uh, he, he's sort of thinking Huddersfield sort of bottom. You know, it's not too dissimilar to what everyone else says. Huddersfield kind of bottom eight or so, possibly bottom quarter. Um, quite mm. fair, I thought overall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue, isn't it? It's we don't want to be sat here saying that it's not the most exciting prediction in the world, is it? But you know, you've got to be realistic about these things. And based on last season and you know the, the recruitment we've done, the recruitment's not been bad by any means, but there's not much to suggest there'll be um, much different from last season. So I think we've got to be realistic and accept that that's a fair prediction. Okay, so the main podcast this season. So we've listened to a little bit of feedback from from you guys, and the aim uh, is going to be to try and get the podcast out earlier on in the week. So uh, we will be moving the day that we do the recording podcast. Uh, there's a couple of uh, little bits and bats to uh, iron out there to make sure we have a, a set time every week. But we're going to try and make it a set time every week and try and get a, a podcast to you uh, reviewing the weekend's game as early as possible on Monday. Uh, so that you have the week to listen to it rather than us throwing it at you on Thursday with, you know, a day in the week left to listen to it. So uh, that's going to be good. Um, other good news for us is that Magic Rock are just in the process of renewing their sponsorship with us, which is great news for us as well. Uh, but just while it's still going through that process at the moment, we probably won't be able to bring the live shows just for now as we were doing at one point. But However, once that's all sorted out and I get a new laptop, not from the sponsorship, but I'm currently in the process of buying myself a new laptop as well, uh, we'll be able to bring uh, live shows in, uh, which will be uh, which will be a lot more fun and it'll be a lot better. Uh, you know, the, the software that we'll use will be a lot more interactive and far slicker as well. So 
Uh, we're hoping that uh, that will be uh, better than last season. And you'll hear some new voices as well. So uh, Matt Wilson joined us for the first episode of the preview and hopefully Matt will be able to come in uh, a little bit more next season as well. And we'll be able to uh, push it out on multiple platforms as well and not just YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, our next media guest is Ben HD. Uh, ben is a YouTuber who specializes in the championship and has over 30,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. We've got 942, so levels and all that. Uh, and here's what Ben had to say. Uh, Ben's a Preston fan, and here's what he had to say on Huddersfield Town's uh, chances this season. I go by Ben HD on YouTube. Um, I mostly cover championship, uh, doing a lot of previews, predictions, that sort of stuff. And uh, all that good thing. It's a good league, the championship, to really get into. And uh, very much looking forward to next season. Right, Ben, what did you make of, of Huddersfield Town last season? <sighs> Huddersfield were an interesting team last season, um, I think is the best way to put it. The first time that I properly got to saw that got to see you guys was um, when we played you. I think it was fairly early on into the season. Um, you know, I'd heard a bit up until that point about what Corbran was sort of trying to do um, with the system and things like that. I think that that game we had, especially at your place, probably summed up how your season went, really. The first sort of 20 minutes of that game, I was a little bit taken back. You know, you guys were playing some really nice football, fullbacks were bombing on, things like that. It's quite progressive playing out from the back and you took the lead. And I thought, how's this team where they are, you know, struggling in the league? And then there was one moment in that first half, I think we hit the post or something like that. And you could just sense like the North End players sort of looked around at each other. Okay, we got a chance to get back into this. So when we sort of made it 1-1, we could sense we were going to get that winner and stuff like that. And it was just maybe a bit of a soft underbelly that was there at Huddersfield um, last season, really. I'm not sure whether that was a case of personnel at the back, maybe not being strong enough, you know, maybe a few people being thrown at the deep end. And you had, you know, a, a young keeper that was thrown in there last season. Um, and whether that was maybe just a thing about quality or it was a mentality thing, you know, I know you tried to brush up in January, you know, Richard Keogh came in to try and add a bit more experience and things like that. But even the reverse fixture that we had then later on in the season, you still came to detail, even in the situation that you're in, you know, down near the bottom of the championship, you're still trying to play this really progressive football and you started out well. And then when we took the lead, you still didn't like try to shape things up at the back and try and solidify things. You just kept bombing people on going forward. And from then we just seemed to pick you apart and things like that. So uh, yeah, I think that next season will be interesting and a sort of test for Corbron to see how adaptable he is to different scenarios and things like that, because last season was a little bit all over the place. Um, but yeah, it was, it was certainly an interesting ride, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, what have you made so far of Huddersfield's summer progress? So there's a number of players have come in during the summer. Uh, the idea really was to, uh, the main issue with Huddersfield last year was the lack of squad depth. So we had a number of injuries, you know, seven or eight injuries a game for a good four or five months. Uh, and we've looked to try and address that by bringing in a couple of extra fullbacks, centre-backs, just to solidify that soft area that you identified. So what have you made of uh, Huddersfield's uh, summer window so far? Yeah, I think that the big thing with you guys was probably improving the squad first and foremost, so that those sort of injury crises and things don't happen and have, you know, so much of an influence going into next season. You know, a couple of fullbacks have come in a goalkeeper and um, defensively, especially, it does look a little bit more uh, tighter in those areas. 
of this, those sort of defensive signings, I quite like the addition of Matty Pearson, who's come in. I think he's someone who's probably a little bit different to the personnel you had at the back last season. I know that um, sort of with the brand of football, it's all about, you know, having people who are good on the ball, being able to play out from the back and things like that. But Matty Pearson, a bit more no-nonsense um, and of that sort of breed. I think when you bed him in with the other players around him, it'll be sort of a welcomed addition. But uh, I think undoubtedly, yeah, the squad has got better with those sort of additions. But then the question comes, has the starting 11 got better sort of with the players um, that have come in and things like that, you know, where uh, Jordan Rhodes, I'm sure, um, is the one that's got a lot of Huddersfield fans talking um, and things like that. I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, you know, me being a North End fan, I always, you know, draw back on Preston comparisons to these sort of things. And we um, sort of had a similar thing, not quite, but similar with David Nugent. You know, he was sort of a bit of a club legend who was coming back um, after a decade away from the club. And sometimes sentiment can be a little bit of a dangerous thing um, in football, you know. Is Rose going to be that sort of player who's going to be able to, you know, fit into that system and be that pressing man? Or are you going to sort of mould the team around him a little bit? But, um, yeah, I think that like a lot of other clubs as well, um, teams will be more reliant on sort of the free agents market and bringing in loan players. I think that that's not just a Huddersfield thing. I think that's a general thing we'll see with a lot of championship clubs over this window because of the impact of COVID. And really, apart from those parachute teams, it's not really probably all too much money that's floating about in the league at the moment compared to um, a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, I think it was certainly a fast start to the window. And I'm interested to see if you do make any more additions coming forward from here. Uh, how do you see then? So let's get the crystal ball out, you know, give it a good rub down. Uh, how do you see this season going for Huddersfield in particular? It's difficult because I think that Corbron has got things about him that make him, a, I think he's a good coach. I think that he showed that at times last season, whether he's, and I think he's a good coach when he's got sort of 11 technically gifted players who are able to execute what he wants to be able to do, mm. whether he's the right man, that if you guys are going to be dragged into another relegation scrap, is he the right man to sort of drag you out of that, you know, grind out results when necessary and things like that? I'm not so sure. I think the jury's still very much um, out on that case for that one. I think that, you know, avoiding, you know, maybe an injury crisis or, you know, a big player leaving or something like that, it may just be able um, to get by. But I think that it will, I'm tempted to say it will be a bit of a struggle. And uh, in terms of standout players for Huddersfield, is there anybody that you're particularly looking forward to to seeing? You know, um, you've mentioned Matty Pearson, who will be good at the back, but centre-backs aren't always the, the ones that you pay to watch, are they? But is there anybody that you're thinking that you may be of interest in and in seeing how they get on this year? Yeah, I think Josh Caroma, um, especially, you know, I think that his absence was definitely felt at times last season when he picked up the injury when he did. Um, and then when he returned to the squad, you know, you could see the quality just elevate a level going forward. Um, he is, you know, for his age, probably one of the best in the league already, you know, for me um, in that position. I think he's absolutely brilliant. His ability to sort of take on players and his final product as well. And I think that he is probably going to be the key for next season. You know, if he picks up an injury or departs or something like that, um, you could find yourselves in a bit of trouble. But if he is going to be the centrepiece, I think he may be able to just about get you over the line. Right then, we'll keep that crystal ball out. So we're looking at more of a broader championship context now. So top six. So if I can push you for a top two and then the four that will make up the playoffs and maybe pick a winner from there. 
Okay, well, uh, I've got to throw the disclaimer in there right away that, you know, things can change, you know, transfers and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, as as we speak right now, um, I think the teams coming down from the Premier League will be very strong. Um, it's a little bit of a boring answer, but the, the, the two right now that I'm probably fancying in terms of the top two are probably West Brom and Fulham. Um, I think that they're coming down with a lot of firepower from the Premier League. Sheffield United, they also think, will be strong. Um, and going into that top six prediction, I probably have Sheffield United um, sniffing around in there as well. Bournemouth, you'd expect to be strong after last season. Um, I know that maybe a few more you know, departures are expected from there. Dan Jume is constantly being linked away, but Scott Parker's got a philosophy there that seemed to work for him at Fulham, which he'll look to implement there. And then after those four teams... The rest of it is very much up for grabs right now. You know, Swansea a week or so ago, I probably would have had in there. But now with Steve Cooper departing, there's a little bit more of a question mark over them. Um, and yeah, like I said, those other two spots are really up for grabs. If I had to throw a couple of teams in there now, and maybe even there's a bit of dark horse, but I think a lot of people are going with them. I like the look of QPR at the moment. They ended last season very well. Warburton has a bit of an identity um, about what he wants to do. I think that they've been quite savvy as well in the transfer market with the business that they've done. And then there's a last team that I'll throw, I'll throw Middlesbrough in there. So you can just never, you can never write Neil Warnock off, can you? And I think, I think he's also building um, a bit of a project there at Middlesbrough. You know, it wasn't um, maybe the flashiest of seasons for them last time, but it was a, certainly an improvement on the last one. I think that given Neil Warnock, couple of years in charge you might have the code crack there so uh yeah i'll go with those to make up my top six i think and then for a winner from those see i don't want to be boring and just say sheffield united because that would be so you know dull to have the three um going never, up. they've never won a playoff have they sheffield united so that's, no uh, yeah 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 so it's probably not a wise call to go for them uh i'll go for a qpr they always seem to pop up with the moment don't they uh, i'll mm. back them to be a real dark horse why not yeah yeah they do look strong to qpr for sure uh but ones who don't look strong so the bottom three so this is the the ugly side to the prediction isn't it the sort yeah. of less fun ones um who do you see sort of knocking on the relegation door next year a bottom three at the moment is tough to do i think the one name that most people have in there right away is probably going to be Derby. Um, with the way they finished last season and, you know, all the complications that are going on around the club at the moment, Rooney sort of having to rebuild that side on free transfers. If you've seen the sort of trial list that they've had there recently, um, their squad is literally made up of teenagers and then people who are going to be like over 35 next season. Um, so it's all a bit of a mishmash, really. So... I think that Derby, with all the off-the-field issues that they've got going on, I think it'll be a very tough year for them. Uh, the three promoted clubs that are coming up, obviously their aims will all be to stay um, in the championship. Um, I did a little bit of digging in terms of the sort of historical research in terms of how the three newly promoted clubs generally tend to get on in the championship. And on average, over the last 10 years or so, there's only really tends to be one of those newly promoted clubs who then go straight back down. Um I've got a bit of a gut feeling that Blackpool will be all right next season. Um, I think they've got a few shades of sort of Barnsley about them when they came up. You know, Neil Critchley, um, you know, manager who's formerly worked at Liverpool and stuff like that. He's got some connections to him. Um, so I think that they brought in quite a youthful group of players that could be quite exciting next season. Um, Peterborough, 
I'm a little bit up in the air on um, at the moment. I think it'll be quite fun and score a lot of goals. But what happens with Clark Harris, I think, will be quite um, instrumental for their season. I know they, you know, they shipped a few goals last season. If they don't, you know, shape up maybe in that aspect, um, they certainly could be dragged into something down there. Um, and then that last team, you could throw a hole in there maybe, or even a Huddersfield, perhaps. I think that last spot really is um, going to be open and up for grabs. And who knows, someone else could be dragged in. You know, I'm hopeful that my side, North End, are going to be able to have a bit of a boring season um, next time round, and we'll be well clear of any relegation dangers. But uh, yeah, I think Derby, and then maybe two of those three promoter clubs, um, maybe due the drop. But uh, someone will always get dragged in there from nowhere, won't they? Uh, finally, um, who do you see as the real like next last season? We had uh, Emmy Buendia, didn't we? Sort of light up the championship uh, amongst amongst some other other players at Norwich as well. You Todd Cantwell's etc. You yeah. know, really exciting players. Who do you sort of look at next season as across the championship? And you think, yeah, they're going to really sort of light the place up. It depends who stays, first of all, from those sort of big clubs coming down. You know, I expect that Pereira probably will be off from West Brom. We've already seen him sort of light up um, the championship mm. once. As as a shout that's maybe a little bit out there, it's not happened for him so far at the club he's at, is Rian Brewster. Um, mm. You know, he came into Sheffield United with sort of a lot of expectations with that big price tag coming from Liverpool. Um, it wasn't probably the best environment for him to go into at the time, you know, with Sheffield United ended up struggling that season, but he's done it at this level before. He's got a cracking record with um, Swansea in the past. And if they can get sort of the right players around him and they can get him in the right headspace for next season. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of a feeling that Rian Brewster could be great, but, um, you know, I'm sure people have clipped this at the end of the season when he's got about two goals <laughs> and I've been proven wrong, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'll throw him out on him. Rian Brewster for next season. No, I'm with you on that. I think there's definite potential with Rian Brewster. I've seen him play for the England youth teams quite a lot. And, uh, yeah. and when he was at Swansea at this level as well, he looked, he looked a fantastic player. So I think that's a, a good shout. And especially if they play, it's probably unlikely with, with the manager they've got, but if they have a two up front with him and McBurney, yeah. they both could really work, work off each yeah, other yeah. really well, which will be, I'll be interesting. Uh, ben, thank you for coming on to uh, Andy Takes That Chance. Looking forward to getting to know you more across the season as well. Um, just let us know where we can find you uh, and, and what you do on uh, on social media and, and YouTube. Yeah, yeah, so you can check all my stuff out over on YouTube at BenHD. Um, we do a lot of sort of championship predictions, championship previews, a lot of transfer rumours um, around this time as well. And uh, yeah, all that good championship stuff at the moment. Uh, it's all happening at the moment heading into this new season. So uh, yeah, make sure to come on over. And uh, I do have a mate who, who raves about your channel, actually. Um, oh, yeah. He's, he's, a, yeah, he's a big fan. And he did mention that you, you've taken a bit of a liking to the Huddersfield kit this year as well. Oh, it's up. <laughs> I, I, I've got it as my best. The best home kit I ranked it as. Yeah. Yeah. Come out from Championship. Honestly, yeah. Massive fan of it. Love it. So even if it's a bad season, at least we've got the kit. That's the, there's always yeah, that. Exactly. So there's always that. Exactly. But Ben, thanks for coming on. Uh, and a pleasure to meet you as well. All the best. Cheers for having me, mate. Okay, so thanks to Ben. Uh, Ben's someone that we'll hopefully be collaborating with a bit more going forward next season as well uh, on uh, a couple of uh, bits and pieces. Um, decent as well there. Uh, I think he's got a new subscriber from you, hasn't he, Josh, after uh, after that little yeah. uh, cameo appearance? Yeah, I was very impressed with the with the lad. Um, i say lad, he's probably submerged to me, but um, yeah, he spoke, he spoke really well and uh, very insightful, I thought, about um, you know town... He, he knows his fair his fair share about all the championship clubs, and I've actually checked out his YouTube channel. He's got a lot of interesting videos on there. Spent a half an hour or so having a look at them today. So, 
So, yeah, I think um, you should go check him out if uh, championship football is your thing. Mm. Amongst others as well. Uh, right then. Yeah, uh, yeah right, uh, especially us. So, you know, let's yeah. get our, uh, let's, uh, you know, if you don't follow us on, on YouTube and you do listen via that channel, make sure you click the subscribe button. Because I think once we get to 1,000, my OCD goes down a level with it being on sort of 943 or whatever it is, 942. <laughs> Uh, right, so we've got some fun and games coming up next season as well. We're going to have some new fantasy games. We're going to have an FPL game and a championship game as well with Gaffer. Uh, we've got our link up with FanHub as well moving forward, which you know we're interested to see how FanHub looks next season. And I think next season with fans being allowed back into the grounds, FanHub will come into its own a little bit more, especially with the check-in facility. Uh, and also you can use FanHub to listen to Andy Takes That Chance as well as you're driving or or whatnot to uh, to these away games and during the week. So I think that'll come in. And there's obviously, they've got some partners as well. So they partner with a number of different companies. So they're hopeful of pushing out a couple of prizes for those fans that do quite well in following their clubs as well. So it's something worth, worth keeping an eye on as well. Uh, right, okay. So our next interview is with Ryan Dilks and Justin Peach, who produced the excellent Second Tier podcast. Uh, we've been involved with them for the last 12 months and we're going to be involved a bit next month, uh, next season as well. Uh, and it comes, this podcast comes with a recommendation from uh, Brady and myself as well. And we both chatted to Ryan and Justin and their thoughts on next season as well. Uh, right, guys. So if you could just let us know what you made of, of Huddersfield last season, how you thought the season went in particular. In particular. Uh, first off, good, steady. Looked like it was going to be progress. And then quickly all went down the toilet, didn't it? Um, losing Josh Cromer is obviously a massive blow, but that's no excuse for how atrocious Huddersfield were defensively. It was defensive mistake after defensive mistake. And in the second half of the season, they were no doubt the worst team in the division defensively. Um, it was just lucky, really, that they had that first half of the season form, which kept them above the relegation battle. Yeah, completely agree with Ryan. Um, there's argument to say that Huddersfield are one of the worst teams in the second half of the season. If if not the worst, maybe Bristol City might might have a, have a thing to say about that. Um, but yeah, as Ryan said, it's it's that first half of the season that really kept Huddersfield afloat. But I wouldn't say you could almost see it coming. But the the recruitment policy change, uh, I guess, with Phil Hodgkin, Hodgkinson coming in. Um, it seemed to it seemed to really impact what happened throughout the rest of the season because you got to January and there was a lot of patchwork. There was Richard Keogh, there was Yaya Sonogo, there was Omar Nias. It was just plasters on top of very big wounds um, that, that needed addressing. And it looks like it has been addressed. So hopefully better times coming for Huddersfield this season. And what have you made of the, uh, the transfer window so far for Huddersfield? Obviously, it's not closed yet. But what have you made in particular of the players who they've brought in? And you, meant, you mentioned the, uh, the defensive frailties as well. So they've brought in Matty Pearson and Levi Colwell as well. Justin, who's a player that you seem to quite like. I've been really impressed with um, Huddersfield's recruitment. I think Josh Ruffles from Oxford's a good, a good addition as well on a free transfer. It's been really smart recruitment because they've got it done very early. They've got it done on the cheap. Um, I don't. I think that's quite a. I wouldn't say that's a, a disrespectful thing to say, but I think it's given the a bit of a disservice to the players that they brought in. But as you say, Matty Pearson's a, a good signing as well. Um, Jordan Rhodes, uh, well, it's a bit romantic, but we all want him to hit 
15, 20 goals. But even if he contributes a little bit, because there's Fraser Campbell, who we know can score goals, there's Josh Caroma, who's the gem up front. I think there's a group of players there that can probably get 30 goals between them, which is a good a good standing for Huddersfield, um, especially jumping up the table or trying to jump up the table. So, yeah, I, I've been quite impressed with the recruitment. And as, as, as we said about Levi Col- Colwell, he's a composed defender at the back. Um, Naby Saar, I don't know if I like Naby Saar or not as a, as a player, um, just because he's got a lot of mistakes in him as a ball-playing defender. And I think that was quite prevalent in, in Huddersfield last season. So bringing in someone like Colwell, who will take time to get used to the championship, I think bringing in someone like him is going to help Huddersfield play out from the back and really stamp um, the manager's philosophy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, I was just going to carry on from that. No, on. Yeah, I, I think the signings that we've seen have, you know, just addressed what was the clear and obvious um, areas which needed strengthening, really. They brought in, you know, four defenders on free transfers, which is a clear sign that the defence was the big weak point from last season. And I wouldn't say I'm really, I wouldn't say I agree with Justin that it's really impressive. I think they're, well, Turton and Ruffles are two lads who have been knocking about the lower leagues for quite some time now. Maybe time for them to step up. They're coming into their prime. So, could be a decent bit of business. Pearson was fairly solid for Luton last season, but Levi Colwell is someone I am excited to see, see how he takes to the championship as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see who starts at left-back out of Ruffles and Toffolo. Toffolo is someone I'm a massive fan of, but whether Corbran persists with the three at the back that we saw last season would make sense for someone like Toffolo and maybe Ruffles might be seen as someone who could slip into that back three. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, it, it looks like solid business. Still not sure on Jordan Rhodes. He's someone who has been out of form for quite some time now. But I do agree with Justin. Everyone wants to see Jordan Rhodes be the same player that we saw all those years ago. Yeah, and you you guys both kind of, um, well, slightly different opinions there, we'll say, of the transfers so far. But um, how do you see it playing out for Huddersfield this season? Do you think it'll be better than last season or, or, you know, hopefully not for us, but worse? I think it's just another season of transition for Huddersfield. I would be surprised if that second half of the season form continues, um, but I can't see them troubling the top half of the table, if I'm honest. Hmm. I, I might, again, I might disagree a little bit with Ryan. I, I remember I read an article not too long ago about, the Premier League leg- legacy builders for them. I can't remember for life of me where I read it. It might have been the, the Athletic, yeah. Examiner, it might have been the Athletic. So hopefully one of you guys might, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a really good article, and it essentially just said the Huddersfield started again last season. They started from scratch, and and I do agree, with Ryan, that there is a transition. Uh, I think needed again for Huddersfield. I don't think it can get worse than last season. Bear in mind how badly form was I think there was two or three wins in the last 20 25 games off the top of my head which is is a is a frightening statistic and a, the key thing is avoiding that form going into the new season but I think the signings that they've made getting the business done early uh, the type of, play, type of players they brought in I think it's going to be key to Corbrand's philosophy and they've got another year under the belt to transition that so I think a mid-table finish they are in a much better state than a lot of teams um, I think a mid-table finish is the the, the peak of what I think Huddersfield would be aiming for and then building on that for, for the seasons after. 
So the policy at Huddersfield at the moment is really to to bring players in young, uh, relatively cheap, uh, to work with a coach like Carlos Corbran and his coaching team, uh, maybe start them towards the B team and then build them up and, and look to sell them on uh, in future. So uh, Huddersfield have a record of doing that from, you know, going back from 2012 when we were first promoted back to the championship. And, you, you know, Jordan Rhodes was one of those, Connor Cody, et cetera, Jacob Butterfield uh, and so on. Um this seems to be the policy moving forward as well. Do you see any sort of standout players at Huddersfield who can who can really stand up next season and be one of the shining lights of the championship? Or do you see potentially anyone breaking through as well? We're looking at the likes of Scott High, Sauber, Thomas, etc., who may come through and be a surprise package like Josh Caroma was last season. I think Aaron Rowe is someone for me who I've been waiting to break into the first team for some time. Um, hopefully he can do that this season. I know he started a few games towards the back end of last season and this will hopefully uh, be the season that we finally see him become more of a first team regular for Huddersfield. The obvious shouts are the likes of Lewis O'Brien, Harry Toffolo, players who we've mentioned plenty of times. Lewis O'Brien probably maybe had a bit of a step back in his progression last season, but now hopefully he's someone who can continue to build upon um, what we've already seen because he's a top player. Everyone knows he's a top player. It's just about him doing it on a regular basis. And then Toflo had a couple of injuries last season, didn't he? But he's someone who I think could possibly be playing in the Premier League at some point. I don't think we've seen the best of Josh Karoma yet. And again, it's an obvious shout, but I think we only got a glimpse of what he's capable of last season. Um, and he's a player for me that came from nowhere. It was a bit of a um, an odd signing to to make, but he, he really he really started to develop and under Corbrand he started to, to to push on. But as Ryan said, I think the obvious ones are the likes of the, you know there's Lewis O'Brien, there's Toffolo, um, uh, and Aaron Rowe. Um, so they're the players I think that that, that will need to step up for Huddersfield. Um, but as I say, Josh Cromer, I think is going to be a key man. I think, as I say, we've not seen the best of him yet. So I'm really excited to see what he can do if he avoids injury. Yeah, um, and I suppose, well, the other question is you've, you've made it clear you don't see Huddersfield anywhere near the top. Um, your top six for the, for the season, I know the championships, always the hardest league to predict, I'd say, but... Um, who do you guys fancy for the top six? Just bear in mind, we will use this against you later on in the year. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. Well, we've got our league table predictions coming up soon, and I'm still struggling to nail down my definitive top mm. six. I think one side I'm definitely fancying to be in and around the top two this season is West Brom because I think they've recruited well. I think Valerie and Ishmael can continue to show that he's a quality manager at this level. And with the players they've already got from last season, then they're definitely too good to be anything other than fighting for the top two. Other sides I'm looking at a QPR, who did so well in the second half last season, and I reckon they can continue playing the style of football that we saw in the second half. Um, and the other one, maybe a bit of an outsider, is Luton. Because they... I've also recruited really well this summer. And Nathan Jones is a manager who knows how to get the best out of players. He was making Luton perform unbelievable things in the championship last season. And now that they brought in uh, the likes of Carlos Mendes Gomez, I think they want to keep an eye on. An outsider for the top six at the very least. 
yeah, I think Ryan Solomon from the Rebirth. I I I fancy Luton as well, to be honest. Um, and there's a lot of comparables between Luton and, and Huddersfield, but I think Luton, you know, for example, yeah, if, if we're baking a cake, I think Huddersfield are just putting the ingredients into a bowl, whereas Luton have put the 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 cake into the oven already. So I think they're just slightly further ahead as uh, of Huddersfield, um, uh, in that sense. But yeah, I, I think the other one for me, I think I've said Stoke every season, and even Cardiff. I think Cardiff. Are, I think Mick McCarthy's putting a real Mick McCarthy side together. Um, and I fancied Cardiff, I think, for the top two. Ryan might correct me. Um, for the top two for the last two seasons since we're doing the podcast. But I think this year might be might be their their year under under Mick McCarthy. Um but yeah, it's 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 too hard to say at the minute, but I think the teams that we've mentioned so far are probably a, a good shout for the top six with the surprise of, of Luton. The bottom end of the table this year looks quite interesting. I don't think there. Last year, I, I thought I found it quite easy to predict who would be down there and who would be up there. This year, like Ryan said, it's it's more difficult to to sort of definitively look and say yes, this team will definitely be up there, and yes, that team will definitely be down there. Um, in terms of bottom three, we've had some predictions back from uh, our, the fans of other Championship clubs and some of our own, and they vary quite differently. Huddersfield do appear in a couple of these predictions, which is understandable given the uh, form at the end of last year. But in terms of bottom three, who, who are you guys looking at? And I know it's going to be difficult to predict, but who are your early thoughts on who you think may be down there? I'll say this. It's completely different to last season because I think just about every league table prediction had the bottom three, which was eventually the bottom three. This season, I think the championship is much more competitive at the bottom. I'll start off by saying Derby (laughs) for obvious reasons. Anyone who knows what's going on at Pride Park at the moment can completely understand that. And I, I can't see them finishing anything other than bottom at the very moment. Other sides, I'd probably say Blackpool just because some of their recruitment has mostly been from lower league sides. And I can't say I've been too impressed, but I am a big fan of Neil Critchley, the manager, and hopefully they can continue their progression. Apart from that, it's a bit of a free-for-all for the last bottom, uh, last place in the relegation zone for me. Um, maybe someone like Bristol City, just because they were so bad in the second half of last season. They were absolutely abysmal, without a doubt, the bet, the worst team in the uh, championship for me in the second half of last season. They brought in Rob Atkinson, who's a player I like, but apart from that, there hasn't been much else yet, but there was quite a bit at the time of the transfer window still to go. Yeah, it feels a little bit clearer for me. I think Derby are an obvious candidate, bearing in mind that they've got 13 players contracted at the moment. Um, and I mean, half the squad is is currently trialist. Um, I think uh, someone like Coventry, I think they've lost lone players like Matty James and Leo Ostergaard and they've not quite replaced them yet. So I'm a bit nervous as to how, although I'm a big fan of Coventry and Mark Robbins, I think they might be down there. Blackpool again, Ryan, Ryan has mentioned Blackpool. Hull City as well. Hull, Hull City, I know they're a team coming up, so it might be an obvious one, but they're under a transfer embargo. They've only been able to recruit free transfers. Their squad last season doesn't look as strong as some of the teams that have come up previously um, from League One. So I'm a bit concerned about Hull and where, if, they, if they can get this transfer embargo lifted and they can recruit some some better standard players on loan even, um, they might they might have a better chance of staying up. But I think the obvious three are probably Derby, Hull and Blackpool for me. Great stuff. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Um, pleased to hear that you lads haven't picked us. So uh, that's a welcome change in the bottom three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of thinking similar position to last season, if I'm honest. Um, maybe slightly higher. It, as I say, it's so competitive this season. Like there's so many teams who are just condensed around the middle of the table that I'm just really struggling to nail down who I think is going to finish where. It's crazy. Yeah. I think Corbrand's plugged the right gaps, so I'm I'm fully behind Chino Man this year. I think he can. I You're think a he big can fan of Chino Man. You're I a love, big fan of Cal, I, so. I adore the guy. I'm so <laughs> jealous as a Derby fan to see someone as progressive and forward thinking as Corbrand somewhere not uh, somewhere not Derby essentially. Um, and as I say, I think he's just plugged the right gaps. You know, he's, he's brought in extra goals needed in Jordan Rhodes. So if Karoma is injured, you've got Campbell and Jordan Rhodes. He will score goals, Ryan. Don't doubt the man. Um, and Colwell is, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Although it might fall flat on its on its face, like Clark Salter, Jake Clark Salter is a a good example of where it can go. And then Tamori and Gehi are examples of where it can go as well. So that's fantastic. I think having Karoma back is massive, isn't it? just because he was clearly Huddersfield's best player last season, even though he was only there for like half a season before he got injured. Um, so obviously that's massive, but the rest is a, a bit unpredictable. And I think that's it, guys. So thank you very much for um, for giving us your your thoughts on the coming season and, and looking forward to collaborating with you guys again next year. Uh, for those that haven't listened to the Second Tier podcast, let us know uh, just whereabouts we can find you and uh, and the best place to listen can find us on spotify and apple podcast just search second tier podcast otherwise on our social medias it's at second tier pod pretty much everywhere i think he's got a recommendation from me and brady as well so thanks guys and uh we'll speak to you guys next season yeah so decent second tier podcast Uh, i always find it a good listen to be honest there's a lot of the play i think they have a good mix of games and, and comment comments on there and always sort of other fans as well which is pretty decent um Decent to do that, Brady, wasn't it? And and get their uh, get their thoughts on this season. Yeah, Ryan and Justin are good lads. Um, you know, listening to their podcast as well. Um, I think Ryan likes his his hot takes. Um, but you know, it's again, don't want to bum everyone out, but we were pretty shocking last season. So I think it's fair that um people aren't expecting us to pull up any trees this season. But um, yeah, interesting to see who, who they think. Um, I think they were saying QPR are a bit of a a dark horse um so i think it'd be interesting me too if that's true right speaking of dark horses uh and predictions uh it's now time to hear your thoughts so in episode one you know cozzy simon uh pause myself matt glennon matt wilson we've all you know and even more and thanks to everybody who sent their videos in as well we had sort of eight or nine uh just, you know fans send videos in um including cozzy bear as well uh, so, you know, they've all given their predictions for this coming season. We're going to uh, throw them all into a spreadsheet and um, and use them against people, you know, as, as the season goes on. And, you know, at the end of next season, we'll see who who does well. And, and last season, we, we did pretty well, actually. Didn't, all of us did pretty well last season. So that's obviously not going to be replicated this year. But uh, the two of you, so what's your expectation? So you two converse between yourselves here, I think, uh, and I'll... I'll I'll jump in where where necessary, but how do how do you two think this season is going to go for Huddersfield Town? What are your sort of expectations, your fears? Uh, how do you see this playing out? And you know, it's obviously asking you to predict the future in a lot of ways. But 
you know, take how you're feeling now and just kind of extrapolate that over the season and just just let us know what you're expecting and things you're excited for as well and things that things that you're worried about. Well, Josh, do you want to go? Uh, yeah, go on. Uh, well, excited to be back in the ground first and foremost. Um, you know, last season wasn't wasn't much fun anyway, but watching it on a screen was even worse. Although you kind of shut it down and forget about it, so I'll probably be saying opposite in a few weeks. But you're gonna miss yeah, Snoop Dogg and you just eat, aren't you? All that, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if we can still watch it for away games or whatever, but it was a really good service to be fair. It was pretty um, connection-wise, pretty strong most of the time. But you can't be being in the ground, can you? Uh, so yeah, really looking forward to getting back. But in terms of what we're going to see on the pitch when we're in the ground, um, I'm always I'm always hopeful. At the start of every season. Um, normally those hopes are dashed, but um, I, I think I think we can. Fifteenth <sighs> would be like a good season, wouldn't it? Which is quite depressing to say. But I think if you're predicting anything above that, people just aren't going to take you seriously. So I'm going to go for fifteenth. An optimistic 15. Um, I know people say last season, first half of the season, we were good. Second half, we were bad. But I don't think it's as black and white as that. I think even when we were good, there were still quite a lot of um, holes in the team. And we were still leaking goals. Second half of the season, injuries were horrendous. So the, the recruitment we've done should hopefully prevent that happening next season, hopefully. Certainly not as bad. Um, so I'm hoping for uh, just not being in danger, um, not looking over our shoulder all the time, and just enjoying it. Really, just want to just want to see the team go out and you know give it everything, and, and that's the minimum you ask for. But just try and just enjoy themselves. I know it's hard if we're on a losing run, but I want to see the players looking like they want to play for us, and yeah, just uh, get a bit of positivity back in the ground. No, I, I, I completely agree, um, you know, with what Josh is saying. I think, um, you know, obviously the last 18 months has been been hard for everyone. Um, so, and I think it was good that the football was on, but it doesn't be being in the ground. You know, you can voice your frustrations, you can have a pint and be like, oh, we're a bit rubbish. Aren't we? And I think that kind of helps. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I think on the pitch, it will be an improvement on last season, but not by much. Um, we've added to the squad, I think, I think the additions, you know, we saw, as Josh mentioned, with the injuries in the second half of the season, you know, the drop-off from Pippa and Toffolo to Dehaney and, and Brown wasn't, you know, it was it was poor. Um, and I think, you know, Turton and Ruffles, I think Ruffles is, um, you know, really good signing, did really well, you know, six goals and six assists for Oxford in League One. Um, I think the recruitment, you know, in terms of adding to the squad and the depth, I think has been, has been really well. Um, I think I, I quite like I think we were talking about him, Matt, but Matty Pearson. Uh, I, I'm, I wasn't sure of that at first, but again, kind of, I, w- I wouldn't say he'd be as good as Peter Clark, but I'm kind of, I think we do need a bit of no nonsense given how yeah, many those vibes, those, those you do, Peter yeah, no, vibes. yeah, it just, well, well, we can see the most goals in the league. You know, it was laughable at times when you particularly think about all the errors. You know, I don't want to be football dad, but sometimes you do just need a no-nonsense defender. Yeah, I know Carlos wants to play um, expansive football and, you know, Levi Colwell, uh, who we signed online from Chelsea, I think he can really help build up attacks. Um, you know, he's very good at the ball of his feet, but 
you know, you've got to stop conceding goals. And I think if you can have someone like Matt Pearson who's going to boot it clear, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing for us. Um, so I, I actually think we look, I know Fleetwood, but we lost to Fleetwood, but it is pre-season. I do think we actually look a bit more defensively sound, particularly with the addition of plays we've got. Um, it's almost like the centre-back pairings can be completely new, I'd expect. Again, I'm still concerned about creativity. Town has struggled with creative lack of creativity for, for years now. Like when teams um, sit back, if teams sit back, we, we just have no idea, do we? Because we don't have that lock on picker, if you like. Exactly. And maybe that yeah. is Siani. Obviously, he's just joined online from Norwich. Um, you know, again, Josh talked about it in our preview for the warm-up, but anyone on a, on a YouTube highlights reel can look amazing. But he did, you know, there was some nice stuff. Um, I think it's one of them we'll wait and see because I, I think, you know, if we're being honest, no one can say if he's going to be a success or not because no one's an expert in Luxembourg football <laughs> and also Huddersfield Town fan. Maybe they are, get in touch. Um, my real concern is, though, if I'm being honest and I, I don't want to bring the negativity down, is um, if we're on a bad run, uh, I, there's a part of me that wonders if Corcoran's going to last this season. Um, I think, you know, particularly how bad the run was towards the end of the last season, um, I think if he gets off to a poor start, you know, he, he could be gone. I think that I think that would be fair. Uh, you know, for me, I like the style of football that Colgren's going to play. Um, I think he had his reasons, you know, to there was reasons why um, stuff didn't go as well as it did last year, but also he has to take some blame and that's kind of the thing that's lingering in the back of my head. You know, will he be here at the end of the season? Um, and then that kind of throws all predictions, but I'll be positive. Um, I agree with Josh. I think anything higher than 15th would be, would be amazing, um, which is uh, sad. Um, I think we're going to be 17th. That's me kind of hoping. Um, I think the squad, uh, sorry, the league is a lot stronger this year than it was last year as well. So uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. But we have recruited well um, in terms of squad. It's just, um, yeah, it's just that creativity for me. Josh, you're saying 15th or is that you saying highest possible 15th? Yeah, but I'm, yeah, an optimistic 15th. So yeah, okay. 15th. So 15th and 17th, which wouldn't be a too bad a season, I think, based on the last two. It would be slight progress, which is which is pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Matty Pearson as well, Brady. Uh, the next question on, on here is the best signing that we've made and, the, you know, the, in terms of the transfers who've come in, you know, six or seven players come into the squad. I think it's seven or eight now, if you include John Russell as well, the B-team player. You know, we've made... We're actually being a lot more active than... The majority of clubs in the championship as well we needed to be you know that's that's mm. obvious that's obvious but we've gone out there and we've we've done business you know there's nothing really um there's nothing really to complain about in terms of us sitting back and doing nothing uh you know some people will maybe question you know cosy for example wants to know where the quality is you know in, in his preview he just is you know he's worried about the quality moving forward this is obviously pre sinani you know pre sinani signing which is mm. you know he, he may add that uh, so who are you, what do you think to our recruitment then so far and who are you looking forward to? Do you have any concerns still in the squad? And, um, you know, what would you do if, um, if you did? And we'll go with, we'll go with your first Brady because you look like you've, you're ready to fire as well. Like a yeah, spring. Um, I'm excited. Well, you know, we've made signings, uh, which is always exciting. Um, yeah, I think Pearson's a good addition. I think the, the one that's exciting for me is, is Colwell. Um, I think, you know, 
we've seen Chelsea centre-backs in the Championship do really well. You think of Mark Gurhey, who's just moved to Palace for £18 million. You think of, um, what was the other one, Tamori, uh, who's obviously had a good season with Derby and now at AC Milan. Uh, he looks exciting. I think, um, obviously, we did the... Um, there was an article that we did on the sign-in, uh, which you can go read, um, and that he is rated higher than both of those were uh, before they went out on loan than Gerhi and Tamori. Um, slightly again, younger as well, isn't he, I think? Slightly younger. So I think that's an exciting one, particularly, uh, as I was touching on earlier, if you're thinking about the lack of creativity, um, you know, he could be really useful, particularly depending on how how Corbyn wants to play uh, in actually building up attacks and being crucial in that. So I think he, he's the one that's exciting to me. I, I think Ruffles as well. I know Toffolo is one of the first names on the team sheet, but again, he's, you know, he's got a good attacking returns and he can play further forward. So quite excited by that. I think that, I wouldn't say it's a bit of a coup, but I think it's it's a good addition. Um, so they're the, Colwell and Ruffles are kind of the standouts for me. I'll pick up for that. Yep. Colwell for me, um, 18 years old, um, Chelsea Academy product, you know, they, they only produce, uh, not only, but they have a lot of good players coming through there, don't they? So, and they've got very high hopes for him at Chelsea. So, and from what I've seen of him in uh, pre-season friendlies, um, someone described him as a Rolls-Royce sort of defender. And I think that's a good description. Someone who, uh, he's not afraid to carry the ball out himself, um, so I think he could he could be the one to watch for me. Um, aside from him, um, we've added the depth, haven't we? But I think Pearson at the back, um, Brady, you mentioned it, someone who's going to provide a bit of uh, accountability back there. I know we had Richard Keogh last season, but um, he wasn't really doing... He didn't do too bad, did he? But, um, you know, Pearson's a younger man. He's He's got a lot to prove at this level. Not overly um, upset that he's not here, though, are we, to be fair? No, no. But I, what I meant was Keo was a communicator, wasn't he? But yeah. I think Pearson will bring that as um, and more, to be honest. And I think he can be a real uh, leader back there. Um, Nabi Saab doesn't really talk too much on the pitch. Colwell's a young lad. Edmonds Green, he's, he's not experienced. So I think key for us is going to be keeping Pearson fit, to be honest. Um I think we do need uh, his presence back there. I think he'll be a, a key player for us. So on that basis, I'd say the player I'm looking forward to seeing the most is Colwell. But I think the most important signing uh, could be Pearson. Okay. Sorry, Matt. Just... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
before you jump in, um, one player I think uh, when I was thinking about this, I think actually is going to really come into their own is Nichols. Um, you know, I know assigning a goalkeeper on a free from MK Dons isn't exciting, but we know Schofield's what Schofield's good at shot stopping, but also what he's not so good at. And I think that was an area we did need to address. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nichols becomes our number one as the season progresses. So I think he's, he, look, he's, he's looked also, good as well in pre season. I've been impressed with him. Okay. So speaking of being impressed with, uh, we're going to move on to our predictions now for the top six. So we'll start with automatic promotion, top two. It seems to be a very familiar theme developing with uh, especially four of the clubs which appear in everybody's top six. So I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be no different. But uh, Josh, I'll go to you first while Brady's Googling odds checker to see who's uh, up. No, 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 I've got mine. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you reckon, yeah. Josh? Who are you going for in the top two? Uh, I think Fulham will run away with the league. So obviously first. Uh, second, I go for West Brom. Um, and then in terms of playoffs, I think, yeah, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, and then last two playoff spots, I'm going to go for a couple of old-school managers uh, to sneak in. Um, so we're going for Cardiff with Big Mick, uh, Middlesbrough with Neil Warnock. And I just think looking at the teams in the Championship this season, I think that a team like a Cardiff or a Middlesbrough could you know, grind their way into the playoffs. So... Yeah, that's my top six. That's very close to what I had. Uh, I had Cardiff or Middlesbrough for the sixth spot. But Brady, have you got anything different or are you going for something quite similar? Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so I, I've got West Brom uh, to win because uh, I, I like Valerie and Ishmael uh, and I think West Brom have got a good squad. I'm not so sure about Fulham. Um, I think they've probably got one of the best squad on paper, but I'm not convinced about Marco Silva. Um, so I've actually gone Bournemouth as my second choice uh, in my top two. So West Brom, Bournemouth. I just Scott Parker's there. I think Bournemouth do have some good players. You know, at the time of recording, Dan Juma's not left. I think he's, he's due a good season. They've got Slanky. You know, I, I think there's a bid for Dan Juma as well, and they're expecting him to potentially mm. go, but he's still there well, at, at the time. Still you never know. Still there for now. It could change. Um, yeah, I think Fulham. I think like what well, we saw with Watford, obviously town beat them, uh, but Fulham, I think I'll start slow. I th- the reason I think these are a bit easier to predict is that the, not to be boring, but obviously the the leap in, in terms of quality and also finance for the Premier League and the Championship is, is just growing all the time. So I think all three relegated clubs um, are going to be in the top six. I think it's a disaster if they don't. So Sheffield United are in there for me. Um, so yeah, so West Brom, Bournemouth, Fulham, Sheffield United... I've also gone for for uh, Warnock's uh, Warnock's boys uh, Borough. I, I think you know, old fashioned manager. And I, I would say I find it particularly hard for the last two playoff spots because it's always someone you don't expect. Um, so I've gone I've gone Borough because um, again Matty Crooks will fire him to to the playoffs. But also QPR. Uh, I know they're kind of everyone's dark horses, but when I was thinking about it, you know Charlie Austin. As much as we enjoyed his tears when we beat him uh, a couple of seasons ago, him and Lyndon Dykes and Elias Chair is a player I'd like. Obviously, we've got Chris got Stefan Johansson as well now, as he's a yeah. really good player. Um, their keeper's great as well, Diang. Yeah, so I, I fancy them and they've got a lot of good attacking players. So that's my six. But there's always a team that you know surprises you. That's the round playoffs. So um, well, we've got a dark horse as well. So me and Josh had a heated debate earlier about the dark horse potential of. 
Luton Town. Uh, Luton are, you know, someone who I think uh, do pretty well, you know, in terms of recruitment and, anal- and analysis. I like that. I like what they're doing. Uh, I think, I don't think they'll get in the playoffs, but I think they might surprise a few people. Um, Josh doesn't, but, you know, we'll see at the end of the season. I, I um, think they'll be near a relegation in playoffs. No, I don't. I disagree. Top 10. I don't oh, think. They're, I don't think get yeah, get your money on there. Book is yeah. not fancy. What are you two say? Are you two having a bet against each other? Is this a preview show bet and the, the loser gives a, an amount to the town foundation? Is that what's going on here? All right. Yeah. I'll, let's do that. Why not? Um, what? 20, 20 quid for the town foundation? Uh, I, I think Luton are finishing right. the top 10. Okay. So what's are, the bet? are you having a piece I, of I think that, they Josh? Won't. Yeah. So what, 11th and below? Yeah. Are you giving, yeah, I, I would have given him to Atwell Brady. I think you sold yourself I short. Said it now. I, would, I said it now. <laughs> no, I would have said twelfth. I would have said twelfth upwards, and I think Josh should have taken you on that. But. No, well, you know, it's uh, it's money going to charity, isn't it? So you know, um, so, Town Foundation has got cost. twenty quid at the end of the season now, and this is recorded, so no backing out. So exactly. There so, we yeah. go. So, um, Dark Horse, uh, Luton, Josh, have you picked a Dark Horse who you think might might come uh, up on the rails that nobody really expects? Uh, Birmingham, uh, maybe. But, Depends what he defines as a dark horse, doesn't it? Really, um, not town. Birmingham, no. <laughs> town, town, <laughs> yeah, dark horse, that, yeah. But that'd be the darkest of horses. Yeah. Uh, that's no. I'm not. I'm not going to pick one, you know, because no one stands out. I'm looking at the list here, and apart from the teams that have already been mentioned, there's no one stands out to me. So, I'm not going to say one for the sake of it. So, there's going to be no dark horses. Fair enough. Uh, I. I don't know, again, it's what you want to judge as a dark horse, but um, I think Forrest, for me, I, I, I don't yeah, think they'll I get playoffs, but Chris Hewton's a good manager at this level. They've got loads of money. They've got about 30-odd players. <laughs> you know, um, They've got the resources, and you know they were pretty much in the playoffs, not last season, season before, until they bottled it on the final day. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, Forrest, I, think, I think they'll be, they'll be in the running for the playoffs. I just picked Thanks. Cardiff and Borough, but could have easily gone for Forest. Yeah, Chris Hewton's a top class manager at this level, isn't he? He's a cha- okay. you know top championship class manager, you could say. So they've definitely got the right man in charge there to get them back to the Premier League for the first, which would be the first time since is it 1995, 96, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. It's been a long time they've been away, really long time mm-hmm. for for Nottingham Forest. Uh, right, so go. We'll flip it back onto. Uh, well, before we flip it back onto town, we need a bottom three, don't we? So. Uh, relegation uh josh you going luton town no i'm not going to be that mean to them i think they're, they're not that bad um i don't think there's going to be a distant bottom three i think there's going to be a lot of teams involved in the relegation scrap yeah uh, i think derby will finish bottom i think it's just that club's a mess at the moment and i think they'll go the same way as wednesday um so yeah them to finish bottom and then i'm looking at peterborough blackpool hull Town, Coventry, Birmingham, Luton. <laughs> no, not Luton. I think they'll be they won't be far off, but I don't think they'll go down, as I said. So I'm gonna go for Peterborough and Blackpool to join Derby. I just don't think they'll have enough uh, quality in the squad. But I don't think they'll be blown away, as I said. I think they'll be they'll be right in the mix and uh, they'll have some good results through the season. But I think over the course of the season, uh, Blackpool and Peterborough are just gonna come up short along with Derby. Okay. Brady, who have you got? Yeah, pretty much. This, I, I, I've got the same three as Josh. Um, I, I completely agree with him. I, I think it was really hard to pick after the 
the four teams for the top six and I think likewise for the for the bottom three because there is going to be so many teams kind of hovering around there and I do think Town even though I would like them to have a better season I do think they're going to be one of those teams like around there um, but yeah Derby I think you know there's talk they might not even be able to field the team against us so um, you know <laughs> No pressure. Uh, if we don't win, they're if so we don't, beat us, we don't win, so they are going to beat us one nil. It's it's such a short shit house of shit house wins, isn't it? One nil or something. Yeah, I'm surprised Rudy's <laughs> not going to re-register himself at this rate. Um, yeah, Blackpool again. I think they've got Richard Keogh, so you know I, they might, you know, uh, but I think he'll be too much. Peterborough, yeah, Peterborough and Hull. Um, I do like. I wasn't. I don't think Grant McCann's the best. I know they won the league, but. Um, I'm not a big fan of him, and I do like Mallet Wilkes, but apart from that, there's not really anyone jumping out at me at all. So, yeah, uh, Derby, Blackpool, and Peterborough for me. Okay, and we'll we will now flip it back onto Town. Uh, last two questions, really. Uh, Towns, you know, and you can do this all in one. So, who do you fancy as Towns Player of the Year this coming season? You know, who do you fancy will will take that gong, and who will be the breakout player from the B team? So. Last year, you were class, uh, potentially, you know, Aaron Rowe, I think you'll probably say he kind of broke through towards the end. Uh, Josh Caroma was obviously the breakout player from, from last year. Uh, who are you going for this year? Uh, Brady. Oh, okay. Um, breakthrough. I said it earlier, but um, for our warm-up preview, but uh, I think John Russell, um, because he's played, you know, 20-plus games in League One. I know he's been signed for the B team, but out of all the B team players, he's probably kind of the one who maybe is ready to make that jump. Um, he's a box to box and midfielder and he can play as a number 10. And I actually do think, obviously there's rumours going around at the moment. Well, we don't know if O'Brien's going to be here when the transfer window shuts. And I wonder, I don't think our midfield's probably the best. I think it is an area of weakness. I'd like another player there. And I wonder if he, he's a tall lad as well. Um, and our midfield's quite small. So I want, he's the one I'm kind of thinking maybe could have a good breakout, uh, not a hot take because he played 20 odd games in league one. So no, <laughs> yeah, no one, no one's actually said him out of all the, so you two guys are the last two Huddersfield fans that have asked that. No one said John Russell. So that's great. I don't think they have anyway. So that's quite an interesting one. Everybody said pretty much Salba Thomas or Scott high. So mm-hmm. uh, no pressure when it comes to you, Josh, but your player of the year, Brady. Uh, Come on. Because I think we'll be struggling. I think it's going to be Defender. You think so? You're not, I, you're not so having this. I, I did think Karoma, but um, Cat's out of the bag with him, isn't it? And I think they'll double up on him. And I wonder if he might be a bit difficult season for him. Um, but I would go for him. But I, I've gone for Pearson. I just I just think okay. um, town, town fans love someone who gets stuck in and he seems like that lad. And I think, you know, if we... Except Peter Clark vibes and he won it twice, didn't he? Peter Clark back to back. And one of the years probably might have been, I think Jordan Rhodes should have really been ahead of him. But, you know, town fans do love that type of player, that rugged, rugged, tough sort of centre back. and Industrial. Industrial, yeah. yeah. Like he should, like he lives on Sturton. Sturton (laughs) estate. I know, I know Phil Senior was uh, was unsure, but honestly, you know, we could. Can't stress it enough. We can see the most goals in the league, you know, in a league that had Wickham. So, I, you know, I don't think we can underestimate a defender who's going to get rid of it. <laughs> I think we need this season's going to be difficult. So I there think was there was one bit actually. It was against Fleetwood in the second half, and I think we were two 0 down, and we were constantly trying to keep the ball, and the ball went down the wing, 
And Matty Pearson just came out of nowhere and smashed it to like Lytham St. Anne's. It was, you know, and he, he pretty much had time to take a touch and mm. play it down the line. But I actually quite enjoyed that. He just, he just went, nah, there's a winger there. I'm going to smash this as far as I can. It was, quite, it was pretty good. Okay. I, I, think <laughs> I missed players who do that. Yeah, exactly. That. I know. Shades of Neil Trotman as well. It was quite funny. I love Neil Trotman. I didn't. It was rubbish. But go on. I was rubbish, yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. But he's a good character. Uh, yeah, so your player of the year is Matty Pearson and your breakout player, John Russell. Good good picks them. Uh, Josh, what have you got? Well, I think me and Brady have been uh, copying each other's homework, to be honest, because I'm going for the exact same two names and for the very similar reasons. Uh, John Russell, um, he was at Chelsea as well, wasn't he? So, you know, that's uh, not a bad place to start. And Accrington, they're like a top half league one side. So, you know, he's, he's, he's played consistently for them. Um, John Coleman's a very good manager. You'll have learned a lot under him. And I think you're right in saying uh, central midfield is probably one of our weakest areas. Um, I do like Scott High, but um, I think there's an opportunity there for Russell to overtake the likes of Daly and potentially High. Um, there's also Reese Brown, but I think Russell, um, I think partly why he's joined the B team, he probably sees an opportunity there. And especially with, with O'Brien potentially leaving um, and Bakuna leaving, you know, there's, uh, there's chances for him to get in the squad. So, yeah, that's my reasoning for him. And similarly, um, for the player of the season, Karoma was the obvious shout, but I think there's a lot of pressure on him this season. I think he will deliver, but uh, I think yeah, Pearson will shore up the defence quite a bit, and I think we won't concede as many um, as last season. And I think he will get a large part of the credit for that if, if that does come to pass. So I think we'll continue to struggle to score and create goals. So I'm going for a defender and I'm going for Matty Pearson. Listen, I quite like those picks. Uh, you know, this is why you two are together. You, you two, I can see the two becoming one now all of a sudden very, very quickly. Uh, so, right, we'll end this episode on that. Uh, so, well, actually, we're going to end this episode with our last interview. Uh, that's uh, thanks to... Uh, you guys, uh, Brady and Josh, looking forward to listening to the preview show as well next year. It's going to be going to be decent and a laugh by the sounds of it, uh, which is which is good. And looking forward to hearing some guests on there as well. Uh, so our last guest, our last interview, which is with the deadly duo of the Chicken Trick, uh, Stephen Chicken and David Hartrick. I said to these two, um, we, whenever us three get together, we end up talking for for absolutely ages, whether it's in WhatsApp or Zoom or whatever. And I said to these guys, we'll aim for fifteen minutes. And as you can see from the time left on this podcast, uh, they go over a little bit from that 15 minutes. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening to this episode. There will be a part three, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, not more preview nonsense. Uh, Part three will be with you uh, quite soon uh, once we've got um, a number of videos back from other championship clubs. So part three is going to be uh, a number, a series of videos from fans of the other clubs in this league to see what they think will will happen next season and like I say it's, it's always interesting to hear the view of the other side as well and we've got a couple back and unsurprisingly Huddersfield do appear in a few bottom three predictions but you know we'll take that on the chin won't we uh, so yes yeah, so thank you for everybody for listening and uh, here is uh, Stephen and Dave which we'll see the show out right guys what did you make of Huddersfield last season weren't much good were they <laughs> no i mean it was it was obviously a great first half of the season um and i think we probably can use the word well we use the word great advisedly there um 
I, I think we've kind of got this uh, this idea in our head now that it was all sort of sunshine and fireworks in the first half of the season, then Christmas came, New Year's came, and then suddenly everything turned into putrescence. And um, it wasn't really how it was. It was very up and down. We had lots of gripes in the first half of the season as well. There were certainly games where... People were left pulling their hair out. Um, you know, I think particularly about that that trip to Cardiff um, was was pretty abysmal, to be honest. And there were others as well where they just weren't good at all. Um, but in amongst that, there were a lot of very encouraging performances, a lot of great results, big moments. Um, and, you know, you think about them beating Watford, beating Middlesbrough, uh, beating Swansea. You know, these are all teams that were up at that top end of the table, two of them made the playoffs. Middlesbrough were in that hunt for a long time before they dropped off the end of the season. And then after the new year, obviously the injuries hit and, you know, all of the good stuff disappeared. You know, we were just left with sort of, we always talked about, we had like good town and bad town. And after the injuries hit, we were just left with bad town. Yeah. I, the other, the thing I think I would say is that it was, it was a disappointment because, it was an underperformance. It was a season of underperformance. And I think that one thing, one mantra that me and Steve had, I mean, I, th- I think we even got called out on it on the town social was that we believe this was a lower mid table squad. And yes, it was a thin squad, but I think last season, part of the disappointment comes that when you actually look into it and you actually look into town's first team before they were all sort of, broken and injured and overplayed and undercooked and they just got so much wrong that you look at Pippa gets in every championship squad and most first teams Toffolo the same Johnny Hogg gets in every championship squad and in most first teams Janino Bakuna gets in every championship squad Josh Caroma and Lewis O'Brien play for every championship team yeah. Carol Lighting plays for every championship team Even Isaac and Benza gets in every championship squad, I would say, probably plays comparative amount. Nabi Saar gets in every championship squad. Christopher Schindler certainly gets in every championship squad and arguably plays. People won't like it, but some of the players who underperformed last season as well, your your Pritchards and your Danny Wards, etc., they would be being snapped up by championship clubs. I never bought the fact that the first team in the squad was as bad as everybody said it was. Um, And I I still don't and I still won't. But I think that what happened last season, and Steve knows my theory on this, so feel free to roll your eyes, Steve. But I think the, the simple fact is that Corbyn needs to find the middle ground more because everything he did was extremes last season. So it was either really good, really bad. You change everything for the Bournemouth game and your reaction to that is the extreme of then playing the same team through one of the busiest periods of the season and making not making any subs till after the 75th minute. You don't just have a couple of key players out injured. Suddenly everybody goes out injured. Your extreme reaction to that is you go and sign Richard Keogh, you sign Yaya Sanogo, you try to sign Omar Nias. It was just all over the place last season. It was it was a roller coaster, and I think that I think that Corbin's inexperience comes into that. And I think that there were signs that he by the end of the season there was compromise, there was a bit more change, there was more variety to what Town are doing. And hopefully that's where the season picks up from. 
I think going into the season, we had concerns about the squad um, because you need to sort of remember that they started the season without Naby Sarr. Mm. Pippa came in, I think, just before the first, like after the League Cup, but before the first game. Uh, I think Danny Ward was the only signing who came in before the, you know, before the League Cup kicked off. So I think we were concerned about the squad when we were gearing up to the season, but then they brought in Sarr and Iting and Pippa and, um, and suddenly it looked a, a lot better. But... I think you always sort of have concerns about uh, likes of D'Amico Dehaney or Jaden Brown or it, even... It, it was thin. The problem yes, it was, was thin. The, the minute you get some injuries, ta- town were struggling. And it was the worst possible season to do that because you mm. were so exposed by the extended bench and the five substitutes that that, that failing or, you know, I, again, I, I can't have that it was as thin as some would say. But I think that that extended substitutes bench obviously just yeah. dials that that problem visually up, that, to, that, up to ten. You know, because that only changed in November as well. And Corbyn yeah. com- complained about that quite vociferously. Um, because yeah, I think they did sort of build for an eighteen-man squad rather than a twenty-man squad, um, and it, it did make a difference. Like it was that did go against town. To be fair, but. I mean, you know as well as I did, Dave, that almost the briefing at the start of last season was, look, we expect we might have a bit of a tough season this year, but we feel like we need to go through this and bring some of the youngsters through and and see where we get to because of the finances. You know, they, they talked about that quite openly, Phil Hodgkinson did before the season started, that, you know, they wanted to keep the money in the bank. They didn't want to... Um, go and overspend, um, chasing a load of, of nothing. And um, they felt they had enough talent in the academy to sort of get them through the season in kind of not pushing for the playoffs or anything like that, but just get them through in kind of a relatively safe position. And I think, I think that was a miscalculation that, you know, obviously, at Christmas, we were saying, you, you know, I wrote a piece, I think we talked on our podcast, Dave, about, you know, oh, we we got it wrong. They they were right. This was the right makeup. But then, as you say, when you get four, five, six first team, you know, starters injured, plus who, another who had been some of them had been overplayed as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we exactly. You know, no, this exactly. wasn't just. It didn't appear the, out of nowhere. The thing yeah. about an in, the thing about an injury crisis is you can put some of it down to bad luck, like Umani Ass's injury coming in as a signing and getting injured in that that academy game like that. It's just a complete freak injury. But yeah. when you get a load of first teamers break down with muscle injuries or you find out, I mean, how many times, Steve, were we told last season, oh, yeah, but so-and-so's playing through an injury? Mm. Um, there were a lot of hammies think, as well, weren't there? And I think that says a lot about Corbyn's experience. I I think he, he didn't trust players like Scott High, Matty Daly... And it's incredibly difficult. I know one or two town fans, I know not sensible town fans, but there are one or two town fans who've basically written off half the youngsters on the strength for last season. And mm-hmm. like you've got to remember, most of them were coming into games with less than 15 minutes left sometimes and being played out of position with no chance to exert them. When Aaron Rowe got some actual football in a position he was comfortable with, look what happened. You know, mm. Scott I in the last game of the season actually got a proper run out, actually got to play from the start and was town's best player first half against Reading comfortably. You know, I think so. I, 
I think he really got burnt by Bournemouth, didn't he? Because yeah, I th- let's be honest. I think he's there's no sort of hiding from the fact that I think that team against Bournemouth away in December was was kind of picked to lose. Um, but I think yeah. they thought they were going to lose two nil, not five nil. And I think when they lost as as badly as they did, and it's worth saying as well, it wasn't just the players that were brought in that played badly that day. Lewis O'Brien had a stinker, oh, for yeah. instance. You know, it was hey, the whole Toffolo, Mister yeah. Reliable. Sounds, yeah. you know, Mr. Reliable was awful that day. Yeah, and, you know, half the, half the team were, were, were bad on the day. And then, um, and that was in the middle of their best run, weirdly enough. Mm. And But I think after that, Gorbrand just lost, you know, Jaden Brown. They, they didn't have a left back for basically almost the whole second half of the season with Toffolo out injured. Um, but he wouldn't pick the player who was meant to be the second choice left back. And, you know, you look at the players he went through as well in that position Pippa, Lewis O'Brien, Dwayne Holmes at one point. Yeah. Yeah. It was a strange one, that. Yeah. And, you know, not to say it was necessarily the wrong decision, but like to to make that selection choice, you know, Corbrand sees Jaden Brown on the training ground or saw Jaden Brown on the training ground every day and obviously felt he wasn't up to it. But the club shouldn't have put him in that position um and as I say I think it was just a bit a little bit of a miscalculation they weren't a million miles off and I think the first half of the season sort of showed that but yeah they 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 it was a calculated risk and they they got away with it but only just like in terms of not getting relegated in terms of sort of driving down the goodwill of the fans it was a bit of a disastrous season really when the best thing you can say about last season is that it's it's a very good job. There were three teams worse than town. Yeah, yeah. that's not a great reflection. Oh, thankfully, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but right, thanks for that. So you've mentioned there the the thin squad and going into the season with um, you know a little bit uh, you would say under uh, understacked in certain areas potentially. Do you think? This transfer window, Huddersfield have addressed that so far, and what have you made of the window so far? And who would you pick out as the key signing? Matty Pearson. <laughs> Matt, Matty Pearson is the one. Matty Pearson is a proper. I, I hate. I hate to go all proper football man, but he's a proper footballer. He is. He is a very decent Championship defender with plenty of experience. Who. He's decent on the ball. He loves to tackle. He's fine putting a winger into the front front row um he has covered at right back he's played as a defensive midfielder he will be extremely vocal um he will effectively be your leader from the back there in a way that town haven't had for a long time because the thing about jonathan hogg is as good as he is his leadership is is by not necessarily by encouragement shall we say (laughs) and you pick up on that even more when like as me and Steve have, you've been doing games behind closed doors because obviously you can see and hear everything. Pearson is a proper up and at and come on lads, out, 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 let's do this, still nil-nil type defender. And I think his signing is is a very, very good one. And I think the way they've refreshed that defence, so they've actually got some quality cover or cover they trust, I should say, for Pippa and Toffolo, I think is key. I think having Pearson next to Zadar is will be a good thing because Saar played his best football when he had that sort of defender in Richard Keogh next to him. Um, well, if it's if it, if it's Saar that plays, because well, yeah, but I I look at the way he's stacking it, and I think with Colwell, 
I think as good as he is, I think he comes in when Town move to a three at the back. I don't think they'll play a defensive three at the back necessarily next season. I think they might do it England style, where it's quite containing, but you have one of the defenders, specifically Colwell, I suspect, actually carrying the ball into midfield or Doing playing that early, early pass. And one of the things that has driven me and Steve mad for two years of watching Town is goalkeeper to central defender, central defender to defensive midfielder, defensive midfielder turns and then either plays a forward pass or turns around and plays it back to central defender who plays it back to defensive midfielder. And the impetus has gone, the momentum's gone. And I think doing the Maguire-Stones thing of giving your defenders licence to step out, I've just written on it today, actually, um, I think could be a huge weapon for town this season. You're a huge weapon for town. Um, yeah, the 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 we sort of saw that a bit last year. Like the early performances, we did see a bit of the overlapping centre backs thing, um, and then it, it just sort of it disappeared. Um, you know, they 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 stopped doing it fairly soon in the season because I think they realised they just didn't have the personnel to do, do it. Do you remember um, Danny Cowley when we we noticed very very early on? that it was goalkeepers to Schindler and then Schindler to hit that diagonal, not necessarily looking for a man, but just trying to hit the space every time to get them on the front foot and mm. get them going early. It's it's a very viable tactic for town, particularly when you've got someone like Josh Karoma, who if you get him one-on-one with a defender anywhere near goal, and you, it's, it, you really fancy him to score, don't you? So it's yeah. it's something they need to work on. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing with the defense, I think that's where you have the most encouragement. Like, I, I don't know if I'd single out one signing yet because everyone is kind of everyone they've brought in is either unproven at this level, or it's Jordan Rowe who has had sort of four and a half bad years, or it's Levi Colwell who's never really played well, has never played senior football before. Um, you know, I think Pearson is. You're right, the one who is you would look at and say, yeah, he's a really good championship signing and um but i think the what they have now in defense is they have variety because before you had um you had a load of center backs last year who all had quite similar qualities like schindler elphick and i know that these weren't all fit at the same time but schindler elphick stearman keo you know they were all they they were all sort of the same player yeah, they're good. They're good man to man. They're good in the air, but they you can catch them on the counter quite easily. And I think they have a lot more variety now with with Colwell. Colwell who looks an absolute unit, but also has a bit of class on the ball, as you'd expect from from Chelsea. You've got Ryan Marnie, Edmonds Green, who played. You know, had a good run in the side last year and, and lost his place to Keo, um, probably a bit harshly. Um, and I expect Romani will play quite a bit this year. I almost wonder. I mean. I, this is the thing is I don't know who that centre-back pairing is going to be. You know, you, you, you've put forward Sarah as an option. I think it's going to be Colwell. And you've put forward Pearson as a starter and I think it's going to be Edmunds Green. So I think... I, we, I, I, I would be staggered if it's not Sarah and Pearson, you know. Just for the, the fact that for all his faults, and there will be people watching this who I know whose eyes cannot roll far back enough in their head, but Zara played more minutes than any outfield player by, and it, I mean, it wasn't even close last season. It wasn't even close. Back of, back of the next closest, probably, I imagine. Yeah, but but a way off. And Pearson, he's just too good, Steve. He's, he re, I mean, he really is like a 
very he should have been playing higher up than Luton to be frank anyway mm-hmm. it's just one of those players who's genuinely gone under the radar a bit his his numbers are his numbers are great he passes the eye test every time you see him so i think you start with Pearson and Saar but then you're right you've got Edmunds Green and Colwell to bring in if you want to do a three. The minute Saar starts doing Saar things, you can pull him out and give Colwell a run there in a two. But I I predict that I think he wants to play with a three at the back sometimes, but I don't think you're going to see the restrictive uh, control the space, control the lines three at the back he was playing last year when he was Mm. just desperately trying to claw this team over the line. I think you're going to see a three at the back, as I said, that's a little bit more Southgate style in that you're, one of your defenders actually becomes your first point of creation and you you allow your midfield to be in midfield and you allow your forwards to be your forwards. So, yeah, it's the variety though, isn't it, Steve? Because yeah. that was the... that that I think for all the points I've made about the squad earlier, the one thing I would say is Town had the same player in a few different positions last mm. year in truth. And now, I mean, even at fullback, they've got, you know, Turton is almost the opposite of Pippa in terms of style of play. He's, he's much more of a sensible player. And I think mm. there are occasions when you need that. Um, and Ruffles is the one who, when I did the scouting, it was like, he could be really interesting. The <laughs> Oxford fans have said, like, basically with Ruffles, he was a central midfielder and like a, just a fairly average so-so you know, if he would, if he was dropped, he wouldn't bat an eyelid kind of midfielder. And then he moved to left back a few years ago, and he's absolutely thrived in that role. He's been one of the one of the best left backs in League One for the last two or three seasons, mm. and his numbers are incredible. When you look at his the number of chances he creates, his, his crossing stats, um, he creates a lot more out of far fewer crosses uh, than most fullbacks, um, and he scores a lot of headers, which could be really important from set pieces, but. Oxford fans have sort of questioned his one-on-one defending sometimes, which I think probably is sort of the fact that he's not, a, you know, didn't come through as a defender coming to the fold. But I think you can you can mitigate that if your centre-backs are, are up to it. And as I say, they've just got variety and options there now. Um, how how good they're going to be is sort of the question mark, as I, as I say, because you've got, I think Pearson is very proven but Turton has played most of his career at, at League One level mm. same with Ruffles uh, Colwell never played senior football before Rhodes has been poor for four and a half years and uh, Nichols obviously we, we expect will probably start as the second choice goalkeeper so I think they are still missing that one more quality signing I do think I mean not to bang on about it I, I, I find it hard to believe that Chelsea would send Colwell out if they weren't expecting him to play regularly to be honest but we'll see how that goes um and you know three at the back could well be a viable option i quite like the idea of a three of romani and screen matty pearson and and levi colwell i think that sounds that sounds pretty good to be fair um but it's midfield and on the wing at the time of recording that that you've got the issues they haven't they haven't found that carolite in replacement they haven't you know i think we're We've not seen Isaac and Bender in pre-season yet. Uh, we're not seeing, you know, Rolando Aaron has been injured. Danny Grant's been injured. Aaron Rowe is still very inconsistent. Um, you know, Josh Gromer is is obviously nailed on for the left wing. Sorba Thomas, I think, has, has looked really good basically since he arrived. He seems to have exactly the right attitude and mm. he's, he did well against Southport as well. Uh, I think again, that, it's experience. I think the thing about Sorba Thomas is I think he's the player I'm really looking at this season because... 
I I really like me and you have seen him before games down there and whether he's playing or not he's always there he's always talking to coaches he's always watching warm-ups he's always trying to learn I think his attitude is right Mm -hmm. he warms up with intent rather than you know well I'm just going to say it rather than Alex Pritchard um he I think he could do well my problem with Thomas is I think he's far better on the left than he is on the right and he's got an immovable object yeah. in his way you know Karoma isn't going anywhere so I think you've seen in pre-season he was he played uh, I think right hand side against Harrogate and then interestingly it was the game against Southport where he started on the left and I thought he, he did really really well and he linked up with Toff really really well as well and O'Brien on that side then they switched him right but he wasn't playing as a right winger he was almost doing that Pippa false 10 thing he was coming so central to get involved and get on the ball that I thought that was pretty interesting because I think there's obviously a bit of a longer term plan there but the other thing I'd say about Storber Thomas was his set piece delivery was really good really good against Southport and if you're going to lose in Benza you need somebody else in this team who can take a set piece because that's been something town have been rotten at absolutely yeah. rotten at and he if they can train thomas up just on set pieces alone that would be massive because colwell's six foot three mm. pearson's six foot two and about four foot wide sar is as big as a floodlight <laughs> you know you want to find these people you want to find these people because that's that's eight or nine goals for the season found yeah and yeah, I, I think that I spoke to Dwayne Holmes after the Southport game, and we talk, I talked about you know you were you were coming in central a lot more, and he said that that was sort of an instruction. So I think they do want, I think they they're almost going back to to sort of the foundational principles of Carlos Ball that we saw nearly twelve months ago now, where it was you know two proper inverted wingers, and it didn't matter that Dwayne Holmes is a right foot playing on the right in that game. They wanted him driving inside. You had. You know, a left-footed, left-sided centre-back. You had a right-footed, right-sided centre-back. You had full-backs providing the width. I thought it was interesting that Lewis O'Brien floated across the right a lot, where we've seen mm-hmm. him go it sticking to the left eye line in, in certain games and linking up with Toffolo. He was drifting left-right centre, but mostly sort of going out to that that right-hand side. And we saw that he liked to have his big creator, Carol Lighting, playing on that right-hand side last year as well. So I think he wants to sort of almost sort of concentrate I think last year they created a lot of overloads up the wing and this might be reading too much into a single friendly against non-league opposition but it feels like they want to try and concentrate on creating those overloads in the middle instead to try and create more space for Coroma and for Rhodes um, but uh, yeah it'll be uh, it'll be interesting but I think sort of I think the best sign in I think it depends whether Colwell or, or Pearson or both are going to start. I think I think it's going to be one of those two. But almost as a cop-out answer, I think almost maybe the best signing hasn't been made yet. Um, and I think they need to, they obviously need to raise some money to do that. They've been very transparent about that fact. They've said since the very start of the summer that they need to sell players before they can bring more quality in. They sort of, they made an exception for Levi Colwell um, because they felt that he was basically just too good to pass up. Um, and yeah, they well, there's, of, there's about nine clubs in for him. Wasn't yeah, there? exactly. So they, you know, they checked down the back of the sofa and scraped the pennies out of the out of the car and all of that kind of thing, and 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 managed to get him through the door. But that does suggest that they really can't afford to do that again. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can sell someone, who they sell. Uh, obviously, there are some players they would rather sell than others, um, but whoever it is is going to have an asking price on them. And, you know, even if it's Benz or Bakuna, who I think obviously they've been fairly open about the fact that they've extended their contract with a view to selling them, they will still have prices that need to be met. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think... Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, as ever, when we're talking about finances, is is the repayments that are going to Dean Hoyle. It is a, a substantial amount that is being uh, paid out to him. And um, I think they sort of, they they have to make sure that they're able to, to pay that and they're able to pay any other outstanding transfer fees that might owe from previous years. Um, you know, they've got a lot of things to, to weigh up um, and they need to make sure the finances are right because... You know, I think they've they've been again quite open about the fact they need to be self-sustainable. They want to be a self-sustainable club. They want to get their net down to zero, and you don't do that by racking up more debt. Um, so we'll just have to see how it goes with the rest of the window, really, and whether they can get a player out and whether they can get players in. But I think they desperately need a creative midfielder, and I think they could do with a proper out-and-out first-choice right winger as well. Okay, well. Uh maybe speed this up a little bit as well. Otherwise this might be an hour and a half in the, <laughs> in the making this. Um, how do you see the season playing out for Huddersfield this year? What, you know, we'll do some predictions shortly, but in terms of, you know, last year we, we, we could see what would happen, you know, and if injuries befell, then we were going to struggle, but how do you potentially see uh, this season going for Huddersfield and um, walk us through what you think will happen? And then we'll come on to predictions specifically. <laughs> I think it's hard to say when you've got so many new signings in and, you, and again, there's all those question marks over them. Um, but you would hope that they would be better than last year. I think that is that is obviously the hope is to try and have, I don't think they're expecting to go and sort of challenge for the, you know, for the top six this season. But I think they want to have a season where they're formed from the first half of last season stretches over over a whole season and by the end of the season they are you know they are getting the results more consistently and their teething problems are gone and you would hope that there would be fewer teething problems this year than last year because they've already got a core of players there that are used to Corbrand style they're used to court you know the demands of Corbrand's football they're used to his training that they know what he wants they know what they're doing they know what the roles are um that's the hope um it's it's whether they've got the players to deliver on it because we know that this style can work in the championship, but it's ultimately down to the players to deliver it. I think the evidence I've seen from Carlos Corbran is that I was talking to the uh, housewife's choice, Jim Chisholm earlier, and the extreme thing with Corbran, I think is a very real thing when you look at last season. And what I would hope is that there's an awful lot more of the average next season. There's an awful lot more of a 2-0 win on a Tuesday night to just mm. pick up those those average wins. What I honestly think might happen is it. I think it it, it could be one way or the other again. It, it, it would not surprise me if come Christmas it's all clicked and Corbyn has learned from this first season and he's got players that fit his system better, particularly if they get that quality central midfielder in. And 
Town are in the top 10 and are looking good and scoring goals, particularly if Rhodes gets going early. Um, I'm not as down on the Rhodes signing as some. I think I think there is a world where he, he turns out to be a, a decent, decent signing for Town next season. But then I, I, if that doesn't happen, then I think Town could be struggling. I think they could be in that sort of bottom six mix again. And with all the same problems to do with creativity and not scoring goals, it, I've just not seen anything from Corbran yet to suggest that that nice, steady, transitional path into mid-table, very little drama. Me and Steve can get the season wrapped up on podcasts and in print and on the website, you know, a month before the end. I've just not seen any evidence that that's, that's the way it's going to be, unfortunately. I hope it is because that's exactly what the club needs. If, they, if, if going up would be a disaster, going down would be a disaster. What this club really could do with is a couple of seasons of just very steady mid-table. We'll take that. Thank you very much. Beat your biggest rival. Lose a few here and there. Football. Okay. We'll, we'll go on to a top six prediction. Um, I don't think many people are going to predict town to be up here, but who are you uh, looking at to uh, to finish in the top two, uh, round up your your four for the playoffs, and uh, and to pick a playoff winner? Um, shall I go? Yeah, I'm easy. I've heard that. Um, yeah, I think Sheffield United look good, and this is a bit of bias because I have written a bit about Sheffield United this summer here and there. Uh, you know, all, all of us on Yorkshire Live. Cover, cover for each other now and then for holidays and days off and things like that. And I have done a bit on Sheffield United, but I think they're either going to do what Town did when they got relegated and end up really struggling, or they're going to do what I suspect they're going to do and they're going to look really good. I think getting Jukanovic in early in the summer was a great move. You know, on our podcast, due to be a terrier, when you asked me a couple of years ago, Dave, who do I want to replace Jan Siva? I said to the VC Jukanovic. I think he's a really good manager. He, he knows how to get at this level. He's, you know, he knows how to get out of this division and they've got a good core of players there. Um, and the other one is, is kind of a boring answer, but I think you can't look past Fulham again. You know, that they're, they're, they're always going to be up there. They've got, they, they weirdly, because they had so many players on loan last year, they've not had to sell a load of players. So they've lost a lot of players, but they've also not gone and done what they did last time and, you know, spent a load of money that they, you know, that they couldn't really afford to spend on a load of attackers and not buy a defence. Um, they have bought Terence Congola now, and he's obviously going to solve all of their problems. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's hard to look past those two. Unfortunately, we're in an era now where, Every promotion relegation now, you're looking at well, who's with the between the Premier League and the Championship? It's well, who's just gone up? Who's just who's just come down? They'll probably go back the other way. I think I for me, I I think it's very difficult to pick out four teams, and boringly enough, it's Fulham, who I think have got a decent manager, but have got a, like their their first team and their squad as is pretty frightening for championship opponents um Sheffield United who I'm a bit like you Steve I think they're either they're either going to be right up there or they're going to have a massive Premier League hangover yeah 
I think Bournemouth, I'm I'm not as down on Scott Parker as some a lot of people have said, you know, oh, he's he's he'll get shown up and what have you. They've still got an excellent squad. Bournemouth have got so many yeah. goals, so many goals in them. And Parker is an attacking manager by nature. That's what he wants to do. So I think they they could be well up there. And then West Brom, who haven't been mentioned yet, but have also got a very, very good um championship squad and first team at the moment. They are it's it's boring because we're predicting three of the teams that have been relegated to be three of the four teams that will be in the top four, or I am anyway, but it's just a very difficult league to get out of now in the championship because of that. Because of that, you have a club like Fulham who can afford to get relegated and they can afford to keep their wage bill absolutely sky high and they can afford to keep players who are internationals and they're not even making their subspench, etc. For at least one season to try and have a go at getting back. And that, when you're sort of a, not even a Huddersfield town, but when you are Nottingham Forest or a, or a, I don't know, or a Cardiff Swansea, or someone like yeah. that, or a Swansea, you just, you feel like you're basically playing an entire season to try and finish fifth or sixth. Yeah. Um, but that's that's just how the league is at the minute. Okay, so just recap there, Stephen. Uh, who's your top six? Just off you go. Yeah, so for my top six, I, I've got uh, Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom, uh, Swansea, I think will be will be up there again. Uh, how many have I just said? <laughs> I couldn't disagree with you more on Swansea. I think the wheels are going to come off there Ooh, big time. Lovely. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, I think I agree, are going to be up there again. Um, and then you're honestly guessing, I think QPR looked really good in the second half of last season, didn't they, at, at various points? So who knows with them? I've basically got the same five. And if I had to stick my neck on the line that... I, I personally think Fulham uh, will probably win it. If it's not Fulham, I think Bournemouth rather than Sheffield United actually will win it. But for me, the six of them, the six of them, I think I'm actually going to go Stoke, who mm. are starting, uh, have sort of over the last couple of windows shed a lot of fat from that squad. They're on a mini rebuild. They've got a very good manager who I rate very, very highly. And I just feel it's time for them to have a, bit of a run at it again if I'm honest and a dark horse there's always there's always room for a, a Huddersfield 2017 or a Barnsley last season anyone stand out where you think Do you know yeah what? I, I'm going to leap in here before Steve steals my answer because he knows what my answer is Luton are an incredibly well-run club who make extremely sensible decisions on recruitment and on other various appointments within their club they have a very good manager who is very progressive and he's very very good with his squad um, in terms of you're looking at a manager there who gets every last drop out of his sort of core of six or seven people in the first team and I think they've recruited well and I think they've got they've got goals in them um, which is the thing that has let them down slightly before, but I think if you look over the last couple of seasons, promotion, then they stayed in the league, then they've managed to, they've improved on their results year on year. And I'm not saying they're going to get into the playoffs and, and be, you know, I don't know if there will be a dark horse, but Luton are the team I look at and think 
yeah, they they I th- you you just can't underestimate them on any level anymore. That's interesting. They might pick as well, Dave. There you go. Yeah, I would have said Luton uh, as well, but since you two have, uh, I'll I'll say someone a bit different. Um, I think Bristol City have been underachieving for a very long time, and. Nigel Pearson is a is a funny manager. He seems to either... he's a proper manager, isn't he? That's the thing. He's 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 very easy to dislike him for all sorts yeah. of reasons. But I mean, he's he's better than Bristol City, isn't he? That's the thing. Probably, and I think Bristol City for a long time have been a team that has a team that has recruited well. Uh, generally, they've had a you know a lot of of good players through the door there. They've got you know. <sighs> They're they're in a big city. Bristol is a, is a big city. I know they're a two club city, but you know they've they've got everything they need basically. But they've never quite been able to do it. And they had another disappointing year last year. They obviously, you know, made made the managerial change. And I think uh, I think it depends with Pearson. I think some of his recruitment looks a bit strange, to be honest. Um, signing likes of of, of Danny Simpson. Um, <laughs> It's it's a bit odd, but I suspect they're there more for the behind the scenes things than um, than anything else. So, although town fans will obviously laugh at that with Danny Danny Simpson, um, so yeah, Bristol City. When you said it was a big city, did somebody get lost when they went to the Bristol City away game last year? No, Steve? it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Were you a bit frightened? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was it was uh, it was confusing. No, Bristol was a lovely away trip last year, actually. Very friendly club. And turning the table on its head, uh, the bottom three, and there are there were some, I think everybody predicted the bottom three last year. This season doesn't look as easy. No, I think it's a stronger division than it was last year. I think last year at the bottom, it was such a, that was the worst championship I've, I've known. I think Derby, Derby are doomed for me. I think they've got so much to do uh, on and off the pitch to, to turn themselves around. I, they only just escaped by the skin of the teeth last year and I just haven't seen anything uh, to suggest that they're going to make a, a better go at it this time around, to be honest. But I find it difficult to predict after that. Um, you know, I think I think Hull are better than, than people think now. I think they've had their worst days behind them now. Peterborough are... Uh, you know that they're again a very up and down real yo-yo team up and down the EFL but I think Darren Ferguson generally does well when he's when he's there um Blackpool obviously have only gone up by the playoffs though and they had a, a lot of recruitment to do um this summer and I think uh I think they might struggle and <sighs> Birmingham I think again off, I think Lee Bowyer, as much as again similar to Pearson, as much as you may not like him personally, he's uh, he's obviously a very good manager. I think his record shows that, and I, th- I think they might struggle. But but despite that, I think Birmingham might struggle again this year. Um, it is difficult to call this year. Um, I think I think Wayne Rooney's gone in probably the day after the transfer windows ended um, and Derby are in dire straits. So I think they, they could go. Um, Blackpool seem to be losing play, the players who got them up <laughs> in the first place, as well as needing to recruit on top of that mm-hmm. anyway. 
it feels like it's going to be a difficult season for them. I think on top of that, I'm completely the other way to Steve on Swansea. I think they've lost Cooper today. I think the club is a little bit of a mess financially on a few levels. I think they're going to lose a couple of big players as well. I don't think they're going to be able to get a manager in of Cooper's quality. I think the wheels are going to come off there, but I don't think they'll be relegated. I just think they'll be in that bottom six shake-up for a good chunk of the season. So back them for promotion if my predictions are anything to go by. But in terms of the third club, I think it's difficult. I think this season... You, there might be one or two get hit with fi- with financial penalties and points penalties because I think that the long-term effects of COVID on football are still being played out a little bit and some of the finances in the championship are absolutely nuts. And there are a lot of clubs who, um, when you look into it, are being investigated for various things and... Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if a sanction decides the third, the third relegation candidate. To be honest with you, if not Peterborough. <laughs> and moving on to to Huddersfield, so we usually do, on on our podcast we'll do a um, a prediction for Town's Player of the Year, will win the Player of the Year, and uh, a prediction for the breakout player from from the B team. So uh, last year we all predicted. Um, who did we predict last year to come out? It's come through the B team. Uh, Matty Daly. I think some people predicted Matty Daly didn't quite happen. So somebody who's kind of on the periphery, who's ready to shoot through and, and stake a, a claim, like Josh Caroma did last year, and uh, and Aaron Rowe to a point. Sorry, do you want a star player and a breakout player, or just a Please. breakout player? Okay. Well, star player, I think is is going to be Josh Caroma. Uh, he was obviously was the breakout player last year, and. I think, yeah, Matt's got the conch there. Um, I think, yeah, I think Karoma is is clearly a star on the rise at this point. Um, and, you know, if they, if they hold on to him through the window, as I think we probably expect they will, he... I was really worried when he came back from the injury and I actually wrote a piece preemptively saying, don't put everything on Josh Karoma's shoulders. He, you know, it might take a while to get bedded back in and he just came back and was just brilliant again. Uh, <laughs> didn't need any adaptation at all. So, um for a breakout player, I think it's, I don't know, it's almost hard at this point to say who, what qualifies as a breakout player because so many of them, likes of Armani Edmonds-Green, have already made uh, first-team appearances and, and some of them have made substantial numbers. But I'm, and this is sort of, this might be jumping the gun massively. This might, I might end up with egg on my chicken face here. But I think Brahim, I think Brahima Diara, um, could well be the one you know i i wrote in the pre-season preview that we've done the print special which you can order you'll see it advertised on the site uh and just by paying pmp and uh i wrote in that that you might see brahima diara in the second half of next season when he's you know when town if town are in a safe position and you know they can afford to throw a few youngsters on you might see him then i think he might be from what we've seen of the clips and the way he's talked about at the club and from having seen him play fleetingly just twice at Bournemouth and Southport, he didn't look out of place at all. He's 18 years old. And I think if you've got such high hopes for a player, why not give him a go in the first team? If you can find a place for him, he's got that X factor that we've talked about them missing in midfield. Um, he, he has that bit of something different. You can tell that players hate defending against him. Uh, and he, 
he could be worth a look. Um, I think in terms of breakout first, I think one of the things that's quite interesting about Town's recruitment and how they're going to set up the squad this time is that I don't think uh, I don't think the fans are going to get what they want, which is this big squad with two players for every position. I think the squad, if anything, is going to be a bit tighter than last year. But I think the quality level is better throughout. And I think the breakout players have got a far harder job this time. I think last season I predicted the same player for breakout and Starman, and that was Tommy Elphick. And I think history proved me right on that. Um, this time, I would say my breakout, I've already mentioned him, but I think Sorba Thomas, who I know he's already had some first team football, but it's been very much cameos and being played on the left, being played on the right, being played at right back at one point, we played at left back at one point in different stages of different games. I think Sorba Thomas at some point is going to get a proper run in the first team. And I think there's a talent there. Um, I, I, I do think there's a talent there. Um, and star player, it's it's tough to look past Josh Karoma. I can't believe you're going to ask anyone this, Matt, who mm. isn't going to say Josh Karoma. Um, but I, I, part of me feels not not as a cop out, but part of me feels that if they get that creative central midfielder in that they need, if he's of a certain quality, you could be looking at your star player there because that's. That's the position that Town haven't had anybody in since they lost Aaron Moy. And that's the position that nearly every single time Town have flattered to deceive or not played very, very well. Me and Steve have always gone back to and said, well, yeah, they've got nobody loading the gun for anybody. They've got nobody playing the ball quick enough. They've got nobody helping the defence out with their transitions. They're slowing it down all the time. They've got nobody who's capable of playing in central midfield, but also dropping into that number 10 role that... I know Carlos doesn't play with the number 10, but he loves somebody in that 10 space. Yeah, how many times do we see Aitin on the yeah. edge of the box? I mean, it's what Bakuna should have been doing and just didn't do often enough. Yeah. And yeah, anyway, I'm not going so, to go on another Bakuna rant. So it's 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 difficult, but and as I said, a slight cop-out. Everyone's going to say Karoma, but it might be that midfielder once they finally get them over the line, or we hope they get them over the line. It who stays. It, Bring him home. <laughs> It depends who stays as well. Like if, you know, if Lewis O'Brien somehow manages mm. to stay at the club, you know, we, we saw the second half of last season, he was like the improvement in his, the attack. We, we knew what he could do defensively, but the improvement in the attacking side of his game in the second half of last season, I thought was, was, uh, it, yeah, it's was just, there. it's just hand on heart. I just, I can't see him getting to the end of deadline day without no, there being a bid that town can't, that's can't the issue. Refuse. Yeah, that's the problem. I'd love him to be there. I yeah. mean, I'd, I'd, I was fortunate enough to do half his season at Bradford, so I've done an awful lot of Lewis O'Brien, and I'd like to do an awful lot more. I just don't think I will, unfortunately. Nothing fortunate about that, Dave. I'm afraid, but I think that will wrap up those predictions quite nicely there. So thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Dave. Um, all the best going forward this season with the examiner and uh, obviously the podcast, which we all listen to. Uh, and all same enjoy. to you, minus the um, examiner bit.
tonight She got you jumping off the deck and shoving into overdrive I'll wait.